raise a spoon to Grandma, who always took all the hungry cousins to McDonald's for McNuggets and the Play Play Slide. Have something sweet in her honor. Come to McDonald's and treat yourself to the Grandma McFlurry today. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. And participate in McDonald's for a limited time. What in the hell do you think you're doing? Hey, John Boy. I'm telling you straight, it's my way or the highway. So anybody wants to walk, do it now. Hey, everybody, we're all going to get late. And again, it's picked up. It's Darius Leonard. A pick six for the Maniac. Touchdown, I-N-D-Y. Yes, sir. Oh, what a chicken. Double time. John, I have never been better to be on the air with you here in Indianapolis, a place where so many of my dreams have come true. The Ride with JMV on 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. It's uh, wild. I'm going to try to catch everybody up here with what has been going on, especially in the last hour and a half or so regarding what has been an incredibly frantic NBA trade deadline. Maybe it happened a year ago. I don't know. Maybe two years ago. And I know oftentimes we get to this point and we go, hey, Nothing has been as wild as this because we live in the moment, but this seems like it's about as wild of an NBA trade deadline as we have ever seen here. And the Pacers were a part of it. Going back about two hours, it was Shams with the nuts and bolts so far of this Bucks deal. We're still trying to find out exactly what, is going to go on on the other end and why why some of this actually took place. All right, we do know this, and this is what initially got everybody, I'm not going to say excited as Pacer fans, but thinking, all right, 24-year-old, eight guy, a shooter that's kind of the odd man out with the Bucks. The Bucks extended him, kind of fit in the mold of, you know, when I talked about, you know, not buyers or sellers, but builders, somebody you could take a flyer on and maybe fits in with this particular group. It was the Bucks, Jordan War. We've seen him play before. We saw him play at Louisville. Now, just like everybody else from the Bucks, when the Bucks play the Pacers, everybody on the team lights it up. It was Jordan War and two second rounders. And this was a part of the grand scheme of the Bucks trying to reel in Jay Crowder, who has not even played this year. So that was the first. And then everybody gets excited. Everybody's going, okay, I, can't, I, I shouldn't say excited. That's overblown. Everybody goes, oh, okay. I can get with that. Then you heard that Goga Bataze was waived. So to make room for all this, Goga Bataze was waived. And they still have to make more room, of which we're going to find out here forthcoming. And then we hear also a part of this particular three-way deal, including the Nets, the Bucks, and the Pacers, which revolved around ultimately Jay Crowder getting to Milwaukee, the return of George Hill. So George Hill is back again, the former Broad Ripple High School standout, the former IUPUI collegiate standout here locally. George Hill 
is back. And then you also hear Serge Ibaka. Serge Ibaka hasn't played, I don't think, in since November. I'll have to look that up. I don't think like 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 George Hill and Serge Ibaka would have been great to talk about back in 2014. So it kind of makes you wonder exactly what is going on. As far as what the Pacers are doing. And we're still kind of waiting on other things. The George Hill deal. And a second rounder to the Pacers from the Bucks, And then we caught wind of Serge Ibaka. And I'm going to try to best get you updated on absolutely everything. But I know you care about the Pacers situation right now. They still have one more player to assuming get rid of here. To make room for these deals. That's Wara. That's Hill. That's Ibaka. I don't know if there's a buyout in anybody's future, but that's where it stands right now. They waived Terry Taylor within the last 15, 20 minutes reportedly to help make room. So Goga's gone, Terry Taylor is gone, and enter as of right now, Jordan Wara, Serge Ibaka, and George Hill. And we will sit here and continue to wait for more. So Terry Taylor's gone. Goga Bataze is gone. And that is where we are presently in terms of the Pacers. And it seems like they've got a buttload of second rounders with this right now. And all this to be a tradable situation is all going to have to, there still has to be something else we just, I guess, are not privy to yet. And frankly, I have no idea what that might be. It has been a whirlwind. So again, if you missed it, the Pacers acquired today in the last two hours prior to the 3 o'clock NBA trade deadline, Jordan Wara, George Hill, and Serge Ibaka, a couple of second rounders, Terry Taylor along with Goga, They've been cut, waved, if you will, moved, bounced. And there's still going to need to be one more roster spot elimination here. And that was all a part of a three-way deal. So the Bucks could acquire Jay Crowder. But that's where it stands. Wara, Hill, Abaka, two second rounders. Terry Taylor gone, Goga gone, and we await what should be forthcoming. Something else. And I, I wish I could tell you exactly what they're trying to do, but <laughs> I can understand. I think we could all get on board with Wara. The 24-year-old guy, as I mentioned, kind of fits the mold, I guess. I mean, I, I'm not going to say anybody's overly excited, but it's just somebody you can take a flyer on. You can certainly afford to take a flyer on right now. And that's where that is. Damon tells me Serge Ibaka's last game was back in January. 15 minutes played and a 23-point loss to Washington. He's played two games since November the 21st. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll let you get excited about Wara. 
All right, so those of you that are asking, too, by the way, Evan Sider is going to join us some basketball news in a second. We're going to try to go over all this. But a lot of you felt that maybe there were other things going on. Maybe it was with John Collins or the Hawks in mind, maybe OG Ananobe, the former Hoosier. Uh, it has been reported that John Collins is going to be kept as of right now in Atlanta. That has been the report. And I have not seen any movement as of yet regarding OG Ananobi. And really, when you think about it, too, Toronto had a number of players involved here, including Fred Van Vliet, including Pascal Siakam. Jakob Podol was traded from San Antonio to Toronto, going actually back to Toronto. That took place yesterday. But three of the major components of what people thought Toronto was going to be active about as we sit here right now. Staying where they are. Uh, James Wiseman traded Golden State to Detroit. I'm just going to go over the nuts and the bolts. Really a complete and utter makeover regarding the Lakers team. It does drive you nuts, and I, I get it. It's like everybody is so damn willing to work with the Lake. Please, can we all help the Lakers dig out of this? I think it's hilarious where they place themselves, but everybody's got to seemingly give them a helping hand. Got to give them another shot. <laughs> we'll go over that coming up, too. On the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline to further get us caught up from basketball news, is it Evan Sidery? I started out the show, Evan, by suggesting that I know we live in the moment, and maybe it's because I'm in this moment. Hey, this is the most active. This is the most incredible of all time, trade deadline-wise. But honestly, I, I think this has to be it because I can't remember a day of the NBA trade deadline that went down the stretch in the final two hours as this one did. Yeah, it was actually really interesting. The roller coaster today was, John, because it feels like, to be honest, most of the action happened before today with the overnight Kevin Durant trade, which shook the whole NBA, the Kyrie Irving trade a couple of days beforehand at Dallas. We saw a couple strong moves today uh, across the board, but really it was pretty quiet outside of some marginal moves here and there. So, but, but the size of moves of Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant and Brooklyn blowing it all up there, and now the Suns being – the instant title contender in the West. I mean, it's a massive, massive, massive day. Yeah, we'll talk about that in just a second. Can you help us make sense? And I know that there's one more move we got to find out here regarding the Pacers and the roster. They had Jordan Wara, uh, George Hill, and Serge Ibaka, and of course that was a part of that three-way deal, including the Nets and the Bucks. So the Bucks could end up getting Jay Crowder, somebody you've covered over the years very well. Um, I'm curious. I think we understand the war apart. 24 years old. He got extended. I mean, there's nothing overwhelming about it, but it's somebody you can see how they do with this up and coming, this growing group of Pacers. Hill and Abaka, on the other hand, what what uh, what move is this to get to what point as to why we see it right now? And obviously, one more roster spot needs to be obviously open to make this thing complete. Yeah, just real quick, I'll start off with the trade there and then go into the roster. I think the trade today, just them getting involved as a third team facilitating that move and getting Jordan Nawara, who's a mid-20s, he's 24 years old, he's a good shooter, 
He's a versatile defender. Not great, but he's okay on that end. He's a good reserve wing, I would say, which is what the Pacers need more of. They need more of those six, seven, six, eight guys who can shoot the basketball, who can play defense, and the war can provide a little bit of that on a cheap contract. And getting off Goga Batate, too, but they cut him through that trade is open up that roster spot. Uh, Goga wasn't playing, so I think it makes sense to take out a center, add in a wing there in the war, who could be a long-term piece of the puzzle if they want to. But as far as Ibaka and Hill go, I actually think that George Hill actually could stay here past this, or not past season, but throughout this season, because he's a really good mentor. I mean, he's like TJ McCall, where I think he'd be a great mentor for Tyrese Halliburton and the rest of those young guards that he wants to stay around. He's obviously from Indiana. He has roots here, so it's up to him if he wants to stay put or not. I think Serge Ibaka, I very much doubt that he's on the roster and plays a game here. That's just a prediction on my end there because Ibaka has wanted a bigger role. He wants to be on a contending team. That's not the Pacers. So if I had to guess the warmer move that's coming here soon, John, I'd, I'd guarantee or bet to say on a pretty good good idea that Serge Ibaka is probably going to be cut here soon. You think that's the move that, that we're kind of waiting on here to size yeah, this entire I, thing I up? I think so. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I guess that would that would make sense. I, I A lot of people would ask this. Um, because, again, last night you saw 13 minutes of play for Benedict Matherin, and people around here, and I get it, they want to see the young guys play. But it's even further than that for me. Benedict Matherin has shown when this team was winning that he is an integral part of that winning, right? He was a huge part of that winning, and then all of a sudden in the last week, he kind of gets his minutes deflated a little bit. And I guess some of the worry that I've met from some Pacer fans is that, all right, so if you get yeah, George Hill, you get that that veteran guy here that maybe Rick Carlisle would be more apt to go with that veteran and bench some guys that probably here down the stretch of the season need to be playing. Yeah, it's a really interesting direction. The pace of they, – they didn't really make a big move, so to say, but they kind of subsequently told us they're going to be competing for a play-in spot this year, or at least trying to. You didn't get off any of your veterans. You added in a good wing. Uh, I think this Pacers team, I mean, it makes sense for them to be in this spot, but for them not to maybe solve some of these veterans, maybe that's more in the summer with a Buddy Heel type of contract. But I think we're already running into these problems here, John, where when Buddy Heel gets hot like he has in the last couple of weeks – you're seeing Mather and you're seeing Duarte not get consistent minutes, and that shouldn't be happening, especially on a team where this year it should be all about development, all about the young court. It shouldn't be about wins and losses. And that's what I'm worried about with this team currently is that they're going to be trying to compete for wins, compete for that playing spot. Obviously, having that experience for this young core will be fun, but overall, I just don't see why you would want to hinder Matherin and Duarte for the expense of Buddy Hilda. We know who he is in his career. He's a great shooter. He's a great veteran to have on this roster. But at the expense of Duarte and Mathurin, I don't know if it makes sense to play him 30-plus minutes every night right now. Yeah, it's uh, Evan Sider of Basketball News with us via the Andy Moore Automotive Group Hotline. Again, Jordan Moira and George Hill and Serge Ibaka, a part of that three-team deal between the Bucks and the Nets and the Pacers a little bit earlier today. It is. It has been a shaken landscape. There's no doubt about that. And and to get a little bit more about this particular deal involving the Pacers here, why were the Bucks so hell bent on getting a guy in Jane Crowder that you'd covered for many years in Phoenix? It seems like they've been missing the element off their championship team was PJ Tucker when he left surprisingly off the Bucks championship roster to go to Philadelphia and Miami as well. I think they've been missing that one piece since their title run, which was that grit, that that 
veteran forward who can shoot the basketball. He can guard three or four positions. Jay Crowder can do that. He hasn't played a long time. He held out due to a contract dispute with the Suns. But the Bucks paying five second-round picks is a huge price for Jay Crowder, who I, I think is not even – I think he's maybe on the same tier as P.J. Tucker, but maybe a little bit smaller than that. So I don't know if I like the deal for Milwaukee for the price they paid. But for what they need on their roster, they need a wing stopper, they need a shooter, they need another veteran. I think it does make sense in the win-now approach for them. Devin Sidery of Basketball News with us via the Andy Moore Automotive Group Hotline. One more thing regarding the Pacers and this new mixture on their team. And I'd mentioned to you regarding Matherin. It's not so much about, hey, we got to go see the young guys play. It's about that particular young guy is one of the better guys and producers and has shown that when they do win games, he has been an integral part of it. So, you know, Rick Carlisle, when asked about that last night, and the 13 minutes and really no run, not a lot of run, especially down the stretch. He mentioned other guys were, were going, and that was a coaching decision. Well, if you watched the game last night, really other guys weren't going. It wasn't going a lot. And it would just seem like that in that particular game that a guy like Matherin, who when the Pacers again were winning, was a huge portion of that. What What is that, do you think, as far as that just – coaching decision as rick mentioned is you know that just being uh i don't know a little bit hardcore with wanting to to see guys over the rookie in this case what what can that ultimately be yeah maybe it is also just like hard coaching on matherin from rick carlisle again not just speculation but we know the talent that matherin is if he's had maybe a bad couple of days of practice maybe it was teaching him a lesson there or something along those lines but Matherin, as we've seen throughout this year, John, he gets 25, 30, 35 minutes a night. He's been up 20-plus points per game almost every single time, and that's what this team needs is a bucket getter on the court at every time possible. And that's, to me, this is more of a long-term thought, and this is probably something we'll explore later in the summer or next season. But I don't know if now is the time to maybe put Ben and Matherin into the starting lineup here soon because I just don't know if he's enjoying the bench role long-term. I think the number six overall pick should eventually be – getting 30-plus minutes per game, eventually being that starting lineup to getting as much minutes with Tyrese Halliburton as possible. I know Buddy Heald's a great veteran. He has, great, he has a great chemistry with Tyrese Halliburton there. But at the expense of Matherin, each and every playing 13 minutes, I don't care how bad of a night he has or how good of a night someone else is having. A guy of Matherin's caliber, he's the co-pillar of this rebuild, John, next to Tyrese Halliburton. He can't be just thrown off to the side some nights like he did last night. You surprised that Daniel Tice wasn't moved? I was, yeah, especially with just how he doesn't fit the timeline of this team as far as his age goes. But his contract, he does have two more guaranteed years left. I think he has a team option on his third year there. So that might be why it was hard to find a deal for him. That's another question, too, we haven't really explored is now with Ty still on the roster, Isaiah Jackson, Jalen Smith, you didn't really consolidate any of those big men off the roster except Goga Batadze, who was out of the rotation anyway. So you still have that that issue unless Daniel Tice now goes back to the bench, John, where where, where do Jalen Smith and Isaiah Jackson fit into the puzzle here the rest of the season? Yeah, that that is something, too. That part is surprising because to a lesser degree – Everybody wants to see Isaiah Jackson get in there, too. And obviously, you watched last night, he sat. And yeah, because of Daniel Tice and obviously Miles starting, that seems like that that's going to squeeze a lot of minutes. It'll be interesting to see here in the next three weeks to a month those types of coaching decisions that Rick Carlisle makes with this group. Absolutely. I think once if they do fall out of the picture a little bit more, with how jumbled the NBA is, and especially the Eastern Conference right now, the Pacers are only a couple games out of the playing spot, and they could pretty quickly get it back up there 
if they get on a little run here. And that, that's what I'll be watching out for in the next six weeks or so is if the Pacers stay around 500, they're still competing for wins. But if they keep losing and they've lost 13 of the last 15 games, that continues forward past the all-star break here. I'd have to imagine at some point you play these veterans less and prioritize the youth more and more. So you're thinking again, George Hill stays, Serge Ibaka doesn't. And again, there's there's got to be one more piece, right? Connected here with the Pacers to make room for this this particular deal? Correct. Yeah, they have one. They have 16 players, I think, on their 15-man roster right now. So they have to let one player, one more player go. Terry Taylor got waived earlier today. Goga Bataze got waived in that Jordan Award deal. So one more shooter drop there. I guess right now it's Serge Ibaka just because he doesn't make sense with the current construction of the roster. But I imagine we'll find out here very soon on that. Uh, again, it's Evan Sider with us, Basketball News, getting you updated on the NBA trade deadline, which got going a little bit, no doubt. And it really all started yesterday. And obviously you've been in and around Phoenix, and that idea regarding Kevin Durant had been there for a while. Was it just the all-new uh, ownership with, uh, what's his name, Matt Ishba or Abishta or whatever his name is, the new owner that's in Phoenix? Did that kind of spearhead what ended up getting Kevin Durant and that obvious new core that they have right now that's going to be playing alongside Booker and Paul and company in Phoenix? Yeah, it's a good hypothesis there, John. I think you're spot on just because the Suns actually, when Matt Ishbia purchased the team, they actually rushed this process forward. Usually they wait till in the offseason for this yeah. move to happen. But with how it was timed out, 24 hours before the trade deadline is his introductory press conference, you kind of knew Sun was up behind the scenes there. And with them getting Kevin Durant, I mean, that, that was just incredible to wake up to this morning for any NBA fan to see that kind of news. But this Suns team, it's been in the works for almost two years now. They've been targeting Kevin Durant. They've been wanting these assets. They were kind of holding on in hopes of this implosion for the Nets, which happened with Kyrie Irving requesting a trade, and eventually Kevin Durant did the same thing once more. They didn't want to get Mikhail Bridges, though. Mikhail Bridges has been a great player for Phoenix these past five years. He's shown the last six weeks of the season, too, being a 20-plus point-per-game scorer and elite defender. He's a huge piece of the puzzle there, and Phoenix are going to lose. But obviously, paying the price of Kevin Durant is well worth that. You lose Cam Johnson, that deal as well. But the Suns have been wanting to put that – Kevin Durant next to Chris Paul, next to him book for the last two years. And they finally did. And you're seeing now why I think they're pretty, pretty clearly, in my opinion, the top team in the West right now. A lot of these guys team wise, they end up mortgaging the longer term future for the now. How does this all in respect to what Phoenix can do, how much leverage they may have wiggle room, they may have moving forward. How, how has that been mortgaged? If at all? Yeah, it's a good question because now, really pretty much this, the Nets own the Suns draft throughout the, this decade in the 2020s. They get 2023, 20, 25, 27, 29 first-round picks, all unprotected, and a pick swap on top of that. So a huge price to pay with those young guys, too. You're putting a lot of future in your hands of three guys, really, Chris Paul, Kevin Durant, and Devin Booker. And Booker's the big one there. He's only 26 years old. Uh, I think he could be the next next guy post-Kevin Durant era, whenever that ends in four or five years. The Suns, their entire roster in 2026, they have no guy on their team under contract except Devin Booker. So they could remake this team in three or four years with a lot of salary cap space and still maintain and be a title contender. So I think it's a move for the Suns, who, who never won a championship before in the NBA. They've been yearning for that for years now. And getting so close a couple of years ago, I think really helped, helped as far as getting more aggressive in that stance goes. So I think them making this move, made too much sense for me as far as Kevin Durant. The uh, remake, what do teams so eagerly want to help out the Lakers, seemingly, and everything? Because I, 
I don't know if I would put that all on what Palenka and company did. It always just seems like everybody's more than willing to help these guys out. Do you like what they did to remake their team at this trade deadline? Yeah, honestly, John, surprisingly, the Lakers did really, really good today. Just based off their rush construction, they got younger. They got cheaper contracts, too. They got rid of the Russell Westbrook contract. They got Patrick Beverly out of the locker room. They only let go of one of their first-round picks they own over the next five years. And the guy in D'Angelo Russell, Jared Vanderbilt, Ruby Achimura, Mo Bamba, Malik Beasley is a good shooter as well. You replenished your depth. You replenished your defense. So you added in some good defenders there and some good shooters, some good young pieces. For what they what they sent out, for what they put back into this roster, John, I think it was an A-plus today for the Lakers, surprisingly. And like you mentioned, active day, and a lot of teams are helping them out there. But what the Lakers get up in return – it was a lot of wheeling and dealing, a lot of second-round picks, and a lot of deals happened today. Three, four, sometimes five second-round picks and a lot of deals today were traded to teams. What do you think about the West now? Size it up at what we know right now as far as the trade deadline is concerned with the moves that were made. Yeah, I put two teams right now in Tier 1 of the Western Conference. It's also jumbled up, but right now, as far as tiers, I would go Phoenix when Kevin Durant is on the court. I just think Kim and Devin Booker are going to be an unstoppable combination, one-two, in that offense for any team to face. Number two or 1B, if you want to put there, I think Nikola Jokic and the Denver Nuggets. It's very – I mean, Jokic is one of those stars we don't talk about enough, John, just because the way he plays and the numbers he puts up. He had a triple-double in 15 minutes the other night. The the stuff he's doing is absolutely incredible. He's only 27 years old. For a guy at 7 foot, 275 pounds, to average a 25-point triple-double, it's just incredible what he's doing there. So I would definitely put – Denver on that same tier as Phoenix. And then from there, probably four or five teams you can put there. The Clippers, the Pelicans. You can also throw in the Lakers, too, if you want to. There's the Kings, who are having a good season. The Grizzlies, too, who have been struggling as of late. But after the, the, the Nuggets and the Suns, those are probably five or six teams there. And the Dallas Mavericks, of course, getting Kyrie Irving. Really, you could convince yourself one through eight right now in the Western Conference they could make a legitimate deep playoff push. And it hasn't been like this in a really long time. And you, you look out west, and you know something we did not mention, I just bring it up because you brought up the Nuggets. Thomas Bryant traded from the Lakers to the Nuggets, the former Hoosier big man. And I think it was Bones Highland that was traded from the Nuggets to the Clippers earlier today as well. Former Hoosier Eric Gordon uh, going to the Clippers from Houston. That's where everything started for him. Uh, nothing on the John Collins front in Atlanta. Justin Holiday, Frank Kaminsky to Houston for Garrison Matthews and Bruno Fernando. But it surprised you that John Collins didn't end up anyplace else. Yeah, a little surprising because, again, there was so much buzz and noise around John Collins, but it seems like now he's the new version of Miles Turner where every few months you're hearing constant rumors for John Collins, really since the summer of 2020 when he signed that new extension. And this is more of a long-term thought for the Pacers in general, but when you look at them not really making moves and you keep a buddy, you keep Isaiah Jackson, Jalen Smith, that, that's just one name, and especially OG Ananobi too, if you want to bring him up back up. He stayed put in Toronto today. Them keeping them past the deadline, now Indiana has more flexibility if they want to for the summer, where now Buddy Heald's contract is an expiring contract. You have a, a couple, a little bit more flexibility there if you want to approach Atlanta or Toronto for one of those two players. So I think it was an interesting deadline for John Collins and OG and OG for that aspect because now a team like Indiana could capitalize this summer. 
Evan Sidery of Basketball News. Before I let you go, we don't have enough time to go over all of these deals. I'll try to go over them all over the course of the afternoon. Now, you did mention Patrick Beverly out of L.A. to the Magic. He's probably never going to play a minute there. He's going to get bought out. Mo Bamba going from Orlando to the Lakers. That's a part of their pre-deadline activity. But I want to get back to Jordan Nawara right here for a moment, too. How do you size him up as a player? I described it before you came on as I mentioned, you know, not buying, not selling, but building. And it seems like if you're going to take a flyer on somebody at 24, that you might as well go ahead and do it. But what do you know about him and what do you know about what may be his fit when he starts to get some consistent playing time with this group? Yeah, as far as a chief flyer, like you mentioned, John, it's kind of the perfect one because they get a second-round pick attached on top of it with Jordan Nawara to help facilitate that trade. You only let go of Goga Batate there. But Jordan Nawara is a career 38% three-point shooter. He can shoot the basketball. He's a good rebounder for his size, too. I think he's underrated as far as defense goes. It's very hot or cold. But when he's locked in, he's a really capable defender, in my opinion. And being 6'8", 225, he could play two through four all over the wing there. So for for wing depth overall, I think it's a really good cheap find for the Pacers today and what they did. His current contract, he's actually under contract next season for only $3 million for 2023-24 there. So maybe he could be a guy to watch out for that could replace a guy like O'Shea Bursette, who is a free agent this upcoming season. So Jordan Noir, George Hill, and Serge Ibaka. And we're believing that only Noir and Hill will remain here, and Ibaka ends up getting a buyout or whatever takes place here. And that was all a part of that three-team deal with the Pacers, the Bucks, and the Nets that centered around Jay Crowder ending up with the Bucks and Evan Sidery helping us sort through all this as carefully as possible from Basketball News with this via the Andy Moore Automotive Group Hotline. Man, thanks for jumping on here. I mean, really, there's a lot more we could talk about, but I don't know if we have enough time of the hour to do it all. Oh, no worries. As always, appreciate the invite, John. Anytime you need me. Uh, we'll catch up in the future, Evan. Thank you. Appreciate it. Evan Sidery right there. So, again, Jordan Orup. George Hill, Serge Ibaka, two second-rounders, Pacers, Wave, Goga Bataze, and Terry Taylor. One more move to make to satisfy that particular three-team deal coming up. And the expectation is that ultimately you're not going to see Serge Ibaka as a part of anything here. George Hill, yes, from what they say, Ibaka not so much. I also mentioned the Clippers, they acquired Eric Gordon from the Rockets earlier today. The Grizzlies trading off Danny Green to Houston. Luke Kennard of the Clippers going to the Grizzlies. Going over stuff I haven't gone over yet. Former number two overall selection, James Wiseman to the Pistons for Sadiq Bay. Bay on the way to Atlanta in what is a multi-team deal as well. Matisse Thibel to the Blazers from the 76ers. Sixers getting Jalen McDaniels from Charlotte. Uh, here's one I don't think I've mentioned yet either. OKC traded Mike Muscala to the Celtics a little bit earlier today. Blazers traded Gary Payton the second to Golden State where he used to play. Warriors also routing Kevin Knox the second to Portland as a part of a multi-team deal. Mason Plumley 
going to the Clippers for guard Reggie Jackson. That's uh, a lot of what has been going on on this trade deadline Thursday. Quick break, and we'll come back. We'll get more into that. I want to get your thoughts on what the Pacers did. Get your thoughts on the Pacers last night, by the way, lost down in Miami. We'll get to that. Bam, Bam had a huge game. Huge 30, what do you have, 38 last night? Just huge. Could not be stopped. Bam went bam, bam last night. So we'll talk about that coming up as well. But the uh, Boilermakers, Boilermakers at home against Iowa. Rob Blackman, the voice of the Boilermakers, is going to join us as well. Mike Chappell, the latest on the Colts head coaching search. We'll do that a little bit later on. We'll see if we can squeeze in at some point Alex Golden of setting the pace about all this. And I do want to get back to a couple of the points regarding Matherin, the lack of minutes, and what went down last night in Miami. We'll do that all that and more coming up on 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. Don't go anywhere. Raise a spoon to Grandma who always took all the hungry cousins to McDonald's for McNuggets and the Play Play Slide. Have something sweet in her honor. Come to McDonald's and treat yourself to the Grandma McFlurry today. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. And participate in McDonald's for a limited time. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. The Ride with JMV. I love JMV. He looks like Rascal Flats guy. Got a cool soul patch. He does, and a buttery smooth voice. Oh, yeah. 93.5 and 107.5, The Fan. Hey, welcome back. James is here. I'm John. Thank you so much for joining us. As always, I appreciate that. Big NBA trade deadline. Interesting for the Pacers, Jordan Awara, George Hill, the former Pacer, the former Broad Ripple Rocket, the former IUPUI Jag, and uh, Serge Ibaka, a part of that. And we'll get my opinion on it more as we move along. It seems like that they just want to take a flyer on a guy. And as I talked about going to the trade deadline, didn't expect a lot from the Pacers, but maybe expect something in terms of if it is a guy that they think can fit in the future. He's 6'8", he can shoot. Let's see, got uh, his contract is had was extended while in in Milwaukee. You take a flyer on that and see if it works. I don't have any problem with it. Now, the problem you're going to have is if it comes down to last night, and a lot of you do, and we'll get to that a little bit later on, and that was the issue with 13 minutes for Benedict Matherin. And in the last week, you have seen his time get crunched, and you have asked what that is all about. And people want to talk about how you got to have him in there because you got to mold him for the future. Well, okay, not just that. But more so than anything else, in moments in the fourth, he's been really good. When this team was winning, he was really good. He was clutch. He got himself to the free throw line in the fourth. He got to the free throw line really at any time, but certainly in the fourth. So if you're looking at who they had out there and you wonder why Matherin was not one of them in minutes that mattered in the fourth quarter in that loss in Miami last night, 
you would be, I think, 100% accurate. We'll double back to that in just a second. Meantime, Andy Moore, Automotive Group Hotline, outside of the NBA trade deadline going on with your interest around here. Boilermakers at home against Iowa coming up later on this evening. Mackey Arena in West Lafayette for our friend Rob Blackman. Voice of the Boilermakers, it means it's a nice little chill drive up 65 to hang out and call some ball tonight. Nice night for you. Indeed, although I've been here at shoot-around this whole time. Oh, so, you have? So did you just say George Hill was traded to the Pacers today? He was, back oh, to okay. the Pacers today. Yeah, nice, nice. Okay, well, that's the breaking news to me. Probably not to your audience, but thank you for bringing me up to speed. Well, you're just telling my audience that you're in shoot-around and not paying a damn bit of, or at all, attention to the show. Thanks a lot, buddy. Yeah, I was, uh, yeah, unfortunately, I would, did not have you called up on my app here on the phone. But, yeah. uh, it's good to know. Uh, yeah, back to your original point. Yes. Yeah, nice to be at home. Man, it feels like, I, I said this on the air Saturday at Indiana, it feels like this team, this Purdue team, left for Portland uh, Thanksgiving week, and, and we've never been, never come off the road. I know that's not true, but it just feels that way. Uh just feels like this, game, this season has so, had so many road games, and, and I know it hasn't. It's probably no different than any other year, but it just has that feel of, man, we've had very, very few home games. And in a lot of ways, Purdue has kind of gotten the short end of the stick on the scheduling, but it, it will kind of come back around full circle here because when we get to the final four games of the year, Purdue will have three of the four at home. So it'll all even itself out at the end, but, man, it does feel like we've been on the road a whole bunch this year. Hey, Rob, we'll talk about Iowa and the matchup tonight in a second, but double back Saturday to that loss at IU. How much does you think it eat at those guys that if you put together anything reminiscent of a better first half than that outcome in Bloomington, regardless of the environment, how loud it was, and how well IU played, they were right there at the end, and it really was that first half that sunk them. Yeah, in free throw shooting and turnovers, and those are all part of what was really a miserable first 20 minutes for Purdue. I mean, you think about Purdue defensively had gone this entire season without giving up uh, more than 70 points in a single game. And Indiana had 50 points at the half. <laughs> I mean, think about that 50 at the half and you hadn't have anyone score more than 70 on you all year. A big part of that was the runouts in transition on live ball turnovers, because there were a ton of turnovers, 11 of them in the first half. I know all of them weren't live ball turnovers, but, man, it felt like every one of them was a live ball turnover that put Indiana in transition, and and that's where they're going to get you. One of the reasons Purdue's been so good defensively this year, you know, keeping teams under 70, is they've done a fairly decent job of taking care of the ball. So they can set their defense. Purdue's pretty good in the half-court defense. Way way better than they were a year ago. Way better than they were a year ago. Well, you can't say you're half-court defense if the other team's always in transition, which is what happened in that first half. And then the free throw shooting. You know, the great irony to that was, as of 10 days ago, Purdue was the best free throw shooting team in the Big Ten. If you just look at the Big Ten games only, Purdue was right up around 82% as a team. And then just completely, you know, the bottom just completely fell out on the, on the free throw shooting. I think that's probably what bothered Matt Painter the most. You know, on the coach's show Monday, he talked about that on the coach's radio show that, you know, look, regardless on the free throw shooting, uh, home or away, it's still only 15 feet away from the basket, and no, and no one's allowed to guard you. So <laughs> we, we need to step up there and make free throws. That's the one thing you should be able to do consistently, and, and Purdue hadn't done that consistently until Saturday. So uh, tip of the cap to Indiana. Man, that atmosphere was awesome at Assembly Hall. I mean, that place was rocking. There wasn't an open seat to be found. And, and I think it really did affect our younger players, especially early in the game. I think we were, yeah. we were a little shook. Uh, and then once they settled in, they were okay. But 
But a tip of the cap to that, that IU crowd, man, because they, they made a big difference early in that game. So Rob Blackman, voice of the Boilermakers on the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. That was my next question, whether or not you thought that that first half, that that young group got a little bit rattled at Assembly Hall. Yeah, and I would even throw Ethan Morton in there. You know, he had a couple really early fouls that were just uncharacteristic of him where he just kind of lost his mind, which is something he rarely does. Um, I think if we're being fair, in the first 10 to 12 minutes of that game, I'd say everyone not named Zach Eady in a Purdue uniform was pretty shook. Uh, they just got frazzled, you know. And that and then, look, that atmosphere was unlike anything we'd seen all year. Uh, Michigan State was a great atmosphere, but it, it, was, it wasn't like it was at Assembly Hall Saturday. That was, again, a tip of the cap to the Indiana fans, man, because they, they brought it and they brought their A game. And, and I, I do firmly believe in that those first 12 minutes or so in that game, it made a difference. A little bounce-back opportunity tonight against an Iowa team that that Rob has been recently playing better and right now sits in within striking position in the Big Ten, kind of lumped in the middle with everybody else. How do you size up that Hawkeye squad tonight? Well, they're trending in the right direction. They've won, I think, five of their last seven, maybe five of their last six. But, you know, the one thing that's happened for them is they've gotten healthy. Um, you know, they played a few games there without Patrick McCaffrey. Uh, as he set out uh, for anxiety issues, they played a couple games without Connor McCaffrey because of injury, played a couple games uh, uh, without Murray uh, because of injury. So they've, they've now gotten everyone back healthy, and all of a sudden, man, they're playing at a, at a whole different level. Um, the, the great thing about this game, I, well, I guess great, unless you're coaching in it, you have the two best offenses in the country. Purdue's number one in the nation in, in adjusted offensive efficiency, and Iowa's number two. So, so uh, the Hawkeyes can score the ball. They've always been able to score the ball under Fran McCaffrey. Now, the one area they've struggled uh, has been on the defensive end. Um, so you hope Purdue can take advantage of that. But I'm, I'm here to tell you, man, they, they, this Iowa team has all kinds of offensive uh, firepower. They, they, they do not lack for scoring ability. It's just a matter of can you make them uh, pay on the defensive end. That, that'll be the key for Purdue tonight. Because, again, this Iowa team has plenty of O. There's no doubt about that. And what's weird about that is you look at earlier this season and that Eastern Illinois game on their schedule, for example, I mean, there there were (laughs) been some some ugliness. If you look back at Eastern Illinois, for example, I think that was a part of like a a three-game losing streak that included road losses at Nebraska and Penn State. So they've seen some good recently, but, man, they have been a part of some bad also this season. Yeah, but I, but remember now they they weren't at full strength either on the health uh, front. They, that's Connor McCaffrey. I know for sure missed that Eastern Illinois game, and they might have had another two, one or two guys out. So now look, that's still a really bad loss. I mean, Eastern Illinois is a uh, they're a quad three, and they're probably quad four now actually. So that's a that's a bad loss. Got a player that's punching some guy sitting in the front row last week. I think they did. <laughs> getting a little love for Charleston, Illinois, right there with that. Uh, I, I did see that. Uh, although being a University of Evansville grad, I'm always rooting for for Eastern now, having Marty sitting yeah, on their bench, right. Bruce Simmons as a head coach. Right. But, uh, but yeah, that's a bad, that's a bad, bad loss for Iowa. There's no doubt about it. But I'm, hey, if I'm, you know, if you're looking at it, projecting right now the top four seeds that would get the double buy for the Big Ten tournament that starts on March the eighth, uh, Purdue and Indiana are in there, and Iowa's in there right now. Uh, Iowa would be there, in my opinion, and probably Michigan, which I think Michigan's actually fourth in the league right now, which sounds crazy, uh, as poorly as they've played at times. But I, I would argue Iowa's playing as well as anyone in our league right now just because, again, they've gotten everyone healthy. And, uh, and again, they do not hurt for offense. That's, that's one thing they do well is score the ball. 
So Rob Blackman, voice of the Boilermakers, with us via the Andy Moore Automotive Group Hotline. All right, not necessarily in closing here talking about the IU game, but things that you want to see with this two-loss Boilermaker squad become, even past tonight, more consistent, or things that you think need to become more consistent moving forward, Rob? Well, the easy answer is free throw shooting and turnovers, only because if you look at the two losses, that has been uh, the bugaboo in, for Purdue in both of those games. Rutgers loss, Indiana loss. The story was exactly the same. Could not handle the pressure on the perimeter early in the game, so turn the ball over early and often. Put the other team in transition. They get easy buckets, and now you've built yourself such a big hole that you just can't, you can't crawl out of it. And then when you do start crawling out of it and you get yourself to the free throw line because you're being aggressive offensively, you don't make free throws. Um, so if there's and look, you're, when you're 22 and two, you're, you're really nitpicking, and <laughs> I understand that. Um, but uh, those are that is those are the two constants in the two losses. Uh, the two things that cannot be argued is that Purdue did not take care of the ball, uh, and uh, and Purdue did not shoot free throws well. If you do those two things uh, in any other game from here on out, and that's including tournament play, uh, there's a good chance you're going to lose. Uh, so those two things do have to get cleaned up. I say get cleaned up again. You know, Purdue's been a really good free throw shooting team this season to this point. I, you hope that was just a just a one off against Indiana um, on Saturday. Uh, but those are the two areas that that could ultimately doom Purdue. I mean, Purdue's been really really good in a lot of other areas, as you well know. When you're ranked number one in the country, you're probably doing a lot of things right. Well, I mean, when you stay that way too after a loss, so I mean, you sustain that afterwards. That means you're playing. Pretty good basketball overall. And, I, and it shows you the respect that the, that the folks that follow college basketball have yeah. for Indiana. I mean, you don't get you don't get pegged losing uh, to the 21st-ranked team in the country at their place because, uh, guess what, Indiana's yeah. pretty good too. Uh, but, yes, those are, again, when you're, when you're number one in the country, you really do have to nitpick to find some negatives. But those would certainly be a couple of them, the turnovers and a free-throw shooting. All right, 7P tip time. Iowa, number one Purdue tonight from Mackey Arena in West Lafayette. 6 p.m. is where you're going to go on with that hour-long pregame show extravaganza, correct? As Larry Clisby liked to say, the world's longest pregame show. And why we do it, I have no idea. <laughs> Clues used to hate the fact that it's an hour. He's like, you could do this in 15 minutes. Why do we do it for an hour? But well, you know what? And, and love him, too. He knew exactly why you guys were doing it. <laughs> So there's there's one huge reason why you guys are doing it. It is called ad revenue. So, yes. Got to get all those commercials in. That's exactly right. All right, my brother. I appreciate you. Have a great call tonight. We'll catch up next week. Okay, John. Thanks. See you. It's uh, Rob Blackman, voice of the Boilermakers on the Eddie Moore Automotive Group Hotline. No doubt. All right. Trade deadline, Pacers, acquisitions. Are you ready? Write it down. Jordan Wara, as a part of that three-team deal that got – Jay Crowder to the Bucks. There was the Bucks, the Nets, and the Pacers with that. Noara, couple second rounders. George Hill, couple of second rounders, and Serge Ibaka. Now, in the process of making room on the roster, Goga Bataze waved. Terry Taylor waved, and we are awaiting, I guess, the end result of how they're going to solidify the roster. But the expectation, according to Evan Sidery of Basketball News a little bit earlier, is that it will be Serge Ibaka. But it was a lengthy 
lengthy scroll of deals down the stretch in the trade deadline afternoon here on this Thursday. We'll go over some of those deals, get your thoughts on what the Pacers did. I don't know how deep thoughts you might have, but we'll go over those. Last night's game and more coming up. 93.5107.5 The Fan. Raise a spoon to Grandma, who always took all the hungry cousins to McDonald's for McNuggets and the Play Play Slide. Have something sweet in her honor. Come to McDonald's and treat yourself to the Grandma McFlurry today. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. And participate in McDonald's for a limited time. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. The Ride with JMV. Son, you got a panty on your head. You drive fast, kid. 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. NBA trade deadline was wild. Yeah, overnight, Kevin Durant goes to Phoenix. I think I have slightly become a little bit of a Brooklyn Nets fan. Yeah, just a little bit. Would you like to see them play extraordinarily, surprisingly well moving forward? They probably won't. I get it. But don't you want to see that? Look at what they have right now that are there in the wake of Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant bouncing. And you got you got the uh, contract of Ben Simmons. Cam Thomas, I will say this. What's he like, 40-plus? How many straight now? It's ridiculous. And I do like, I said this earlier this morning on Twitter, Mikael Bridges, a great deal. I liked watching him in Phoenix. All right, Pacer fans, Jordan Wara, George Hill, Serge Abaka to the Pacers today. Goga waved. Terry Taylor waved. We are awaiting one more move. Some of the speculation that it could be Abaka. Can't imagine that Abaka plays a second here. You guys are wondering about Nawara and his stats, six points per game, I think upwards of 38, 39% from the floor, 39% from three. And they liked him in Milwaukee a year ago, extended him, and then his uh, minutes just kind of, uh, as I like to say, got squoze. And it appears that the Pacers are just taking a flyer on the guy, and you see what happens here. We will get to last night's game. There's a lot of upset Pacer fans about the lack of clock that Benedict Matherin not just didn't get last night, but in the past week hasn't been getting. Dive into that coming up on the other side and what was a tough night for the Pacers on the road once again. By the way, Phoenix, although Durant is injured, Phoenix in town coming up tomorrow night. First of a back-to-back in Washington on Saturday. I'll try to go over this laundry list of moves made today, too. Some former Pacers and some uh, IU relatables on the move in the NBA as well. Trade deadline was wild. We'll get back to it coming up on the other side. Mike Chappell also coming up in the 5 o'clock hour. 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. Don't go away. Raise a spoon to Grandma, who always took all the hungry cousins to McDonald's for McNuggets and the Play Play Slide. Have something sweet in her honor. Come to McDonald's and treat yourself to the Grandma McFlurry today. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. And participate in McDonald's for a limited time. 
Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. The Ride with JMV. Can I talk to Dana? There is no Dana, only Zool. What a lovely singing voice you must have. Now, I'm going to count to three, Zooli, and if I don't get to talk to Dana, there's going to be some real trouble in this apartment, I think. 93.5 and 107.5, The Fan. Hey, welcome back. Trade deadline is coming, gone. Jordan Awara, George Hill, Serge Ibaka. George Hill and Serge Ibaka, if this, if this were 2014, that would be nice. Uh, we talked to you a little bit earlier from Basketball News, Evan Sidery. Obviously, Nawara is the guy that the Pacers just want to take a flyer on to see if he can help. To see if he might be a piece moving forward. And with this particular team right now, you can't afford to do it. George Hill uh, from Evan Sidery suggested that he would expect he would stay as a veteran presence. However, they have one more move to make. And I think for a lot of us, it's tough to imagine Serge Ibaka playing a second here. Now, to make room, the Pacers earlier today, they did wave Goga Bataze. I know how people still feel about that pick right there with TJ Leaf in terms of getting nothing out of. And Terry Taylor. Terry Taylor was also waived a little bit earlier today. So that's where it stands as far as the Pacers are concerned. And I, I know that it's not the biggest of deals here with Noir. You're talking about a guy that averaged, what, six points a game in Milwaukee? About it. But it can be a six foot eight piece that maybe you could add just to see if this guy can be a part of the future. I, I find no fault in that. And I'm really not the guy that wants to go all in on, hey, you've got to play all these young guys because that's your future. I understand why you say that. And certainly I would agree with it to a degree. But regarding last night, for example, with Benedict Matherin getting 13 minutes, I'm not so much on board in thinking about the future right now with Matherin. I think Matherin last night would have equated to the moment. I think he could have added to the moment because he has. So I was more wondering why he wasn't getting run last night, only getting 13 minutes of it. Not so much because, oh, my goodness, there's another missed opportunity. What are we going to do? These young pieces moving forward, we got and it wasn't so much that, although I get the argument. But it was... Yeah, last night I thought that guy could have helped. He has been good in late-game situations. He gets himself to the free-throw line in the fourth quarter. Just a lot of stuff that you thought against Miami would be necessary. And besides, when Rick Carlisle was asked why the lack of run, especially late, he said other guys had it going, and they, he went with them. I'm paraphrasing on that. I just thought that Matherin is a guy, and again, you can go with this both. You can say, well, should be playing, should be getting clocked because he's the future. Okay, but I thought last night he should be playing because he's good 
and has been good in those situations. That last night was tough to understand. Especially with the whistles that were coming. Really on both sides, but certainly when you play Miami, Miami's going to get to the free throw line every moment. Because Jimmy Butler, every time he just plows into somebody, they call a foul. He's got that thing down. Uh, Bam was incredible last night with 38 points. But I'm with you on that. Not so much because I have to see every minute and the whole future thing. You know how I am with that. In the moment in which you have an opportunity to compete and or maybe even win, I just thought that Matherin would have been a good call right then. That's what I didn't understand. Because it wasn't so much being upset and worrying about the future as I am being upset about, wow, this guy could have helped because he has helped. Yeah, you're right. BT sent me this. The wind out there, I don't know if it's still going, but it has been absolutely no joke. Power lines down East Street. That's just off of Southern Avenue right there. That's not good at all. In the Garfield Park area. That is uh, multi-power lines and poles down right there. Wow. Yeah, that wind, you're right, was no joke today. JMV, I love George Hill and everything he's done for the Pacers in the past, but I don't want to see him get playing time over others. And again, I think that is the question that a lot of you have. Is Rick Carlisle going to play you know, veteran guys over guys that he should be working in even more? When you think about it, you know, they decided to move on and wave Goga, but at the same time, Miles, Daniel Tice, Isaiah Jackson. How much will Daniel Tice keep Isaiah Jackson off the floor? Now, also, think about it from this standpoint. Isaiah Jackson at times has looked good, but at other times he's been an absolute foul machine. A lot of you are surprised that Daniel Tice wasn't moved today. Now what? It's been about a week since we have seen the minutes decline of Matherin. But I thought last night that came to a head because it wasn't just about getting this guy run because he's a young guy that you want to get run. It was about this guy could help this team win. This guy could better compete out there on the floor than what was going down. So I I didn't see when Rick Carlisle mentioned other guys had it going, I didn't see the other guys that had it going, I guess. I mean, maybe he was talking about Buddy Heald. I just thought last night, as we have seen, really, most of the time this year, Matherin has been really good in the fourth. It's from Adam. So, Janvi, I'm driving home from Lafayette. Multi-semis getting sideways in this wind. That's scary stuff. You guys be careful out there. I hate to sound like Hill Street Blues. But be careful out there because, as I mentioned a little bit earlier, and BT, that wind is no joke out there. Jamie, the Pacers still have to yet announce what they're going to be giving up in the trade. Who said Daniel Tice isn't gone? No, I said that people are surprised that he has yet to be gone. There's no doubt decisions are still to be made.
but people were surprised that he wasn't a part of anything else. People are surprised that he is still on the roster. But we have mentioned that there is still there is still the the dotting of the I's and the crossing of the T's here. You got second rounders, you got the completion of the deal, and then you have a roster spot that I think we all assume that maybe Serge Ibaka is going to be the odd man out. You like my Michael Conrad line? Let's be careful out there. All right, 239-1070. I got that, and I don't know if you guys, hopefully you were listening during the break. Brian Evans, the former Hoosier and friend of the show, <laughs> hit me. And this is, I guess, from earlier in the week, a reference I made earlier this week, right? He sent me a classic cameo. Now, James, you don't have to play it yet, but is it pretty funny? I mean, it's pretty good. Do you know who that person is or what it's about? I mean, I don't know specifically who he is, but I know I've heard of what he is from. Okay. (laughs) Remind me before we hit this break to play for you. And it is, it's arable, right? I'm assuming. I didn't listen to it all. It's clean. I listened to it. I, uh, I want to (laughs) play. This is why I love Evans, man. It's classic. I got to play that for you. And again, it's in terms of something we talked about earlier this week. Uh, Once again, trade deadline, Pacers, moves, Jordan Nawara, George Hill, Serge Ibaka waved Goga and Terry Taylor with another move still to come. We shall stay on top of that for you. Meantime, your thoughts on the Pacers, thoughts on that deal, anything you like, anything you don't like, and anything else you want to talk about because it has been a wild 24 hours, maybe even more than that, as far as NBA deals are concerned. If you look at the Lakers and how basically everybody helped them out to retool, they went in there and had a complete makeover. Like, I'm not making light of it, but I'll give you the great example um, if if we're talking about Madonna here, the Lakers, the Lakers two weeks ago don't look much at all like, for example, Madonna may have looked in '85 compared to how she looked in the Grammys the other night. Just different, drastically different. We'll see if that's going to be enough. Kevin Durant is in Phoenix. Certainly, the West got stronger, and to a degree, I think I'll push a little bit. To the Nets. I kind of hope the Nets play well with all that has gone down. Gets a couple of surprises, too, with Toronto. Fred Van Vliet is still there. OG Ananobi is still there. To a degree, Pascal Siakam is a surprise that he's still there. John Collins, also a surprise. John Collins has become that name, kind of like Miles Turner, synonymous with any trade possibilities. He's always the first name now that's mentioned. When Miles got extended, John Collins took over that reign. He, as of right now, is staying in Atlanta. 239-1070 is the number. Inside the lounge via YouTube Live as well. If you guys have any questions, I'll look you up right here. Jay's going to start out the day on the phone. Hello, Jay. Hey, JMB. Um, man, I, you know, I'm, I like what the Pacers did, and I, I'm going to tell you something. Yeah. Um, if Rick Carlisle was anywhere else, he'd be fired. And I think Kevin Pritchard need to start putting him, you know, you know, he he's he should be on the seat right now, man. I mean, you know, um, you know, you know, being a championship coach, which he once was, and I still think it was Jason Kidd, 
who was behind him winning the championship because, look, Jason Kidd is the coach now. So I believe, man, Rick Carlisle needs to be held accountable, man. So Well, tell me with what in mind. What I explained regarding Matherin, more than that, why? Uh, Matherin, uh, rebounding, he's not – able to, you know, put well, the yeah. right players in there. They're losing a lot of games. Oh, you're, you're talking about the uh, smaller lineups that he's the rolling out there. The lineup is not working. Uh, you're going to end up getting some players hurt like Miles Turner, uh, the, you know, but the only big you got playing. And then you're playing a, a, a player that's pretty much broken down with a, a piece or whatever his name is. And, uh, you know, hey, man, he, he he's just setting himself up, man, to get fired. And I hope when that time comes, man, Kevin Pritchard don't hesitate in doing it. Because Rick Carlisle, man, it's like the game really done kind of passed him up a little bit. Hey, Jay, I appreciate the phone call. Thank you very much. I will say this. Uh, that's not going to happen. Uh, they have full believability in what they're doing in this retooling with Rick Carlisle at the helm. So that is not going to happen. The smaller lineups sometimes make sense. I'll give you a great example going back to Sunday against Cleveland, staying with that. And here's why. My point on the Cleveland game not making sense is because you had Mobley and you had Allen. So they had their bigs out there. So the Pacers still stay small, and their bigs got what they wanted. But then the Pacers' small ball routine or smaller ball routine with their guards and wings and whatever out there, they couldn't keep track of anybody shooting threes. You can't have it both ways there. So I'm not so much... I'm not so much worried about that in the now, but here's my expectation. My expectation is it's got to be more than just adding a defensive type of athletic wing. People think, well, they're just they're one guy away. You know, at six foot eight, Nawara is a guy you're going to bring in. These guys have to get better defensively all the way around, and especially their guards. Yeah, I know Miles' guy, for the most part, 38 last. I know everybody wants to give it up on Miles. No doubt. Miles can be better, too. But this team as a group has to be better. And I'm just using that Cleveland game Sunday as an example. You can't give up all that on the interior and give up even more with a smaller lineup outside. They give up high-volume threes way too easy. And this group has to get better defensively. I don't know if you can count on Buddy Heald getting better defensively. But this group has to get better defensively. Now, Rick Carlisle is not going to go anywhere. And he probably will stay with some of his same philosophies. I know a lot of people are saying right now, well, yeah, George Hill is going to take somebody's minutes that needs to be playing that's a young player. Yeah, I don't know how many answers, for example, Rick Carlisle is going to have after games like last night. Because the Matherin thing last night made zero sense. It's been a week. It's been a week that we brought this up. But I thought last night in particular was a great night to really see what he has down the stretch against a tough Miami, a stingy Miami defense, and somebody that puts pressure going to the rim. It wasn't so much trying to get him minutes last night as it was. I just thought he was a better option of trying to win that game late. That's the part I did not understand. Tony's next at 239-1070. Tony, welcome to the show. 
Uh, thank you there, JMV. I like your show. Thank you, I Tony. Wanna, Very nice of you. I want to re-echo with you about Ben Matherin. He should have been in there last night in the fourth quarter. As you said, he he drives to the basket. He draws fouls. I don't understand that unless he is in the doghouse of Rick Carlisle. I don't understand that at all. And Aaron Neesmith, I'm not a fan of Aaron Neesmith. I'd, I'd go back to Jalen Smith. Aaron Neesmith is totally outsized trying to uh, – guard those bigs on the front line. So I don't know what's going on. Uh, maybe it's not all Carlisle's fault, but there just seems to be things that seem obvious that he should do. Reinsert Jalen Smith, and I'm not a fan of Aaron Smith. Put Matherin in there instead of him. Hey, Tony, thank you for the call. I think Jalen Smith last night left the bench area because he was illin'. That was the report. Aaron Neesmith is a guy – that on some days you really like him. Is it split down the middle? It's some days where you really like him, and some days you just kind of wonder why somebody else is not gobbling up his minutes on the floor. I think a lot of this, I think a lot of this is just the fact that you're trying to to look and find different combinations and see what works. But the the small lineup, when you look back at when they were winning, and maybe it was more of a product of the schedule than it was anything else, but they were still going with the two bigs in there. And certainly things went downhill, losing-wise, whenever Tyrese Halliburton won out. But the whole last week thing with Matherin, and especially last night, that kind of came to a head. You wondered why. Hey, JMV, who is Matherin playing over if he's not defending or hitting shots? Healed is the best shooter. Should be Duarte, but he's only 20 minutes. Well, I mean, last night, last night, I just think you've got to find a spot. And I agree with you on healed. He's not going to take heels late minutes when you're trying to win, but you got to find a spot for him out there, don't you? I mean, basically, Neesmith played last night until he went up and then came down on his back and went to the bench area. And then I think he fouled out actually in that moment, too. I think he fouled out, but he went out of the game then and, and then went back to the locker room. You can't tag him with 13 minutes. You, do, you can't. You got to see more than that. And I would agree with it. But my philosophy is not so much about giving him minutes for the sake of his growth. It's about giving him minutes because in these situations in the past, he's performed really well. Jordan Nawara, George Hill, Serge Ibaka, the acquired players by the Pacers prior to today's NBA trade deadline. It was wild, to say the least. It was wild. Now, we'll see. Goga waved. Terry Taylor waved. They have one more move to make to coincide with this three-team deal, and we're kind of waiting on what that may end up being. Completely retooled with the Lakers. I know you didn't miss this last night with Kevin Durant going to Phoenix. James Wiseman ends up in Detroit. I think Sadiq Bey got redirected, was going to the Warriors. I think Kevin Knox went to the Warriors, and Bey ends up in Atlanta. Eric Gordon, the former Hoosier, ends up back now with the L.A. Clippers from Houston. It's like Luke Kennard 
of the Clippers ends up with the Grizzlies. Not all these guys, but some of these guys are going to get bought out. For example, Patrick Beverly traded to Orlando for Mo Bamba. That's a part of that retooling effect in L.A. He's probably not going to play a minute in Orlando. I think it was Reggie Jackson, the guard of the Clippers, gets traded to the Charlotte Hornets for Mason Plumley. It's not likely that he's going to see a minute of playing time while he's in Charlotte. Devontae Graham from the Pelicans and four second-rounders to the Spurs for Josh Richardson. We talked about that one just yet. The surprises, maybe John Collins still being in Atlanta, nothing regarding OG Ananobi. And once again here, Jordan Nawara, George Hill, Serge Abaka. We'll see how that goes. And Goga Bataze and Terry Taylor wave. 239-1070. Ryan is in before the break. Hello, Ryan. Hey, JMV, you're the man. Right back uh, at you. Hey, just wanted to say, with Rick Carlisle, is it an ego thing with Matherin? Like, I know he's trying to keep him in check a little bit, but like one of your last callers said, he's not doing the obvious. Like, what's going on here? I, yeah, it's been – it really has been about a week, right? I mean, really, it kind of coincided when Tyrese Halliburton came back is when we saw a little bit of minutes shrinkage in terms of, of Matherin. And I know a lot of people, Ryan, have just suggested, hey, you're, you're stunting his growth. And while I'll listen to that argument, there's no doubt. It's more for me – I just think there are moments when he needs to be in there because he's a really good option to help this team win. And I just thought last night was one of those those options to get yourself to the free throw line. And, yeah, 13 minutes did not nearly seem like enough for him. Ego-wise, I don't know. You know I don't know. It didn't seem like it was any, like, uh, teaching moments, coaching-wise or anything like that. It just kind of looked like, as Rick said after the game, he felt that other guys were going, and he went with them. I just didn't happen to see those other guys that might have been going, unless he was talking about Buddy Heald who obviously was shooting the ball late and shooting it well. But, you know, when you look at Aaron Neesmith, that wasn't really happening for him. I just thought that there was a spot out there for Matherin late, and not being utilized was certainly surprising. Ryan, anything else? Hey, that's it, man. Thank you, you call any time. Yeah, it might be some of his ego. I'd have to look back at his days in Dallas – now, as far as how he dealt with younger teams and minutes, you know, over uh, older guys in this case. But, yeah, I would agree with everybody else. Last night, it seemed pretty obvious. Maybe you should be going more with Matherin, and he didn't, and that was surprising. It may turn out to be nothing, by the way. But it seems like in the past couple of games, or maybe even in general the last week, it has seemed to be a little bit more obvious in that category. Now, the amount of minutes he's getting, the amount of playing time he's getting. And I just thought, for example, I thought in those late-game situations when you're trying to get to the foul line that he has been really good, one of the better pacers for that matter. So not being in there last night was, was certainly surprising. And we'll see where that goes. Maybe it goes nowhere. Again, maybe it's not a big deal whatsoever. But last night, I know that it did drive drive a lot of people nuts last night. Maybe for the first time, too. Definitely weird. 
Uh, Jordan Nawara, George Hill, Serge Abaka acquired as a part of a three-team deal prior to the NBA trade deadline. That's where the Pacers are right now. Goga Bataze. Goga was waived, and Terry Taylor was also waived. Pacers a loser last night, as I mentioned, on the road in Miami. That was a very disappointing start, as we become accustomed to. But the Pacers get back in it, go up by eight, and then have another highly disappointing third quarter. Dustin DePurek had this. The whole of Carlisle's answer about Matherin, I noted the minutes. I asked him if there was anything about the matchup he didn't like or anything Matherin did on the floor he didn't like. Quote, it's just coach's decision. Other guys are going good. That's it. And that's how that was asked. And then that's how Rick Carlisle last night, as I noted a little bit earlier, how he answered that. Regarding Matherin, I said about a week. What the last, I think Alex Golden has this right here. Matherin, four games after Tyrese Halliburton came back. I guess the Lakers, five points. And again, that goes back to last Thursday. Sacramento, 14. Cleveland on Sunday, nine. And against the Heat last night, too, that averaged out in that four-game span to 22 minutes a game. Now, the five games before Halliburton came back, Phoenix, Chicago, Orlando, Milwaukee, and Memphis, 23, 26, 26, 21, 27. That was an average of 33 and a half minutes per game. So that was before Halliburton's return. I don't know if anything coincides with it, but before Halliburton's return, 33 and a half minutes at that average clip compared to the last four in 22 minutes per game. So that's why a lot of people are kind of wondering what's up right now. Quick break and we shall return. Your chance at Luke Bryan tickets coming up. Actually, two pair before the end of the show. The August date is going to be at Ruoff Home Mortgage Music Center. When you hear... A Luke Bryan re-entry. That's going to be your cue to be caller number nine. Number nine is going to be the winner. And I mentioned, too, former Big Ten Player of the Year, friend of the show, the former Hoosier, Brian Evans, sent me a very special cameo today for something that I brought up earlier this week. I'm going to roll that out for you coming up on the other side. More on the Pacers, the trade deadline, and Mike Chappell on the Colts head coaching search coming up at the top of the hour. 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. Raise a spoon to Grandma, who always took all the hungry cousins to McDonald's for McNuggets and the Play Play Slide. Have something sweet in her honor. Come to McDonald's and treat yourself to the Grandma McFlurry today. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. And participate in McDonald's for a limited time. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. The Ride with JMV. Dude, most metal ever! 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. Hey, JMV. Barry Williams here, Brady Bunch. Uh, Your buddy Brian reached out to me. Tells me you're a totally groovy dude. So uh, I would like to dedicate this little ditty 
to you. Autumn turns to winter, and then winter turns to spring. It's not just the seasons, you know, it goes for everything. When it's time to change, you've got to rearrange <clears throat> who you are into what you're gonna be. <laughs> All good wishes. Hope the year ahead's filled with sunshine days. Brady on. Shout out to Barry Williams, Greg Brady on the Brady Bunch, and most importantly here, our friend Brian Evans from IU, the former Big Ten Player of the Year, was the idea behind that message. (laughs) Oh, man, I love Evans. That's absolutely outstanding. I will have that forever. You know how great that is? Brian Evans, the Big Ten Player of the Year, probably never thought. The NBA player, Brian Evans, never thought that, hey, you know what? I'm going to go ahead and put together uh, a cameo video for Barry Williams, Greg Brady on the Brady Bunch. That's awesome. Thank you, B. Evans, for that. (laughs) That's absolutely outstanding. All right, phone calls coming up in just a second, too. Mike Chappell coming up at the top of the hour. Uh, Michael, join us. We'll talk about, even though all is very quiet, we'll talk about the uh, the Super Bowl, I'm sure, but the Colts head coaching search. Like Arizona just came out and said, hey, we're not going to hire a coach until after the Super Bowl, and I'm sure that Chris Ballard said, yeah, you know what, we probably won't either. Jeanette Biddle says that guy sings way better than me. It's so good. Brian Evans, thanks, man. Hey, the news today, by the way, NBA trade deadline for the Pacers. Jordan Noir, remember him from Louisville? Got an extension while being with the Bucks. They liked him, but obviously the minutes weren't there. Six points per game. 39% from distance for the 6'8 swingman. So that is a guy where you want to take a flyer on, see what he might be able to do. He's 24 years old. That makes sense. Now, also a part of a three-way deal between the Bucks, Pacers, and Nets earlier today. George Hill reemerges back here in Indy, his hometown. George Hill is a part of that deal. So was Serge Ibaka. Um, also a uh, bevy of second-round selections. Now, to make room, Goga Bataze waved by the Pacers today. Terry Taylor waved by the Pacers today. And as we just learned, and we speculated a little bit earlier with Evan Sidery of Basketball News at the top of the show, Serge Ibaka won't see any time here whatsoever. Serge Ibaka has been waved by the Pacers. So that is where we are present time. No Serge Abaka. Yeah, nobody's surprised by that. All right, 239-1070. Warwick is up next today. Warwick, welcome to the show. How are you? Hi, John. I'm just peachy. How are you? I'm fantastic. Thank you for asking. Go ahead. Hey, uh, uh, you have any uh, hints as far as what the Pacers might have given up in the trade? 
Well, I mean, yeah, I don't. We don't have there's nothing so far. I haven't heard anything that's still coming in. I guess. Oops. So okay, yeah. You got you got. Uh, give me a gut feeling on what they might have had to give. Yeah, I've no. Yeah, I, I wish I had a clue. I don't even have a gut feeling on it. Okay, let me ask you this, then, if you don't mind. Um, what do you think of the trade? I think that to me. It's entirely okay to take a shot at somebody like Jordan Noir. And that's why I'm trying to keep the conversation to him. And I know it's six points per game. You take a flyer on a guy. And as I mentioned this, Warwick, early in the week, you know, buyers, sellers, don't worry about it. You'll be a builder. And that's what they are right now. And you have the opportunity to take a shot, maybe bring somebody in to see at 24 years of age if they work. If they work here, if there's somebody that can be molded into this group and move forward with it, yeah, George Hill probably around for the rest of the year, right, in, uh, I guess, a mentorship. I don't know if he would want that. I think everybody easily says a Warwick. I don't know if that's the case, but I would expect him to be here, and obviously Serge Ibaka is not going to play a minute here. So, Okay, thanks for taking my call, John. Warwick, anytime. Thank you. So, again, no Goga, no Terry Taylor, and no Serge Ibaka. Hey, Jamie, this is from Jeremy. So Taylor is gone, so George Hill can stay. What a waste. You know, it's interesting about Terry Taylor, and again, I'm not trying to get all blown out of proportion on it, but that was a guy that if you remember a year ago, they thought they saw something with and somebody they could do something with. And, you know, let's just face it, I'm not suggesting he was going to turn into anything or he might turn into something else someplace else. But... Never never got the playing time, never got the minutes. And uh, he evidently right now is moving on. We'll see how much may be left with some of this. And again, that report regarding Serge Ibaka was a shams report from earlier today. But there has been a lot going on. The Lakers completely remade their situation. I mean, completely. It's amazing, too. Hey, JMV, I've watched Jordan Noir play while at Louisville, and he does add a little bit. What do you expect from him when he gets here? I don't know if you can expect anything. He averaged six points a game. Didn't get a lot of time on one of the better teams, if not the best team in the NBA. You know, the Eastern Conference favorite, if you will. So not a lot of time. I don't know what to expect. Just throw it out there. To me, it's reasonable just to take a shot. You have an opportunity to take a shot. Now, again, I mean, we're talking about you know one of the chief reasons why everybody's a little uptight today is because of the lack of playing time that Benedict Matherin got last night. And you know, I went over the past four games, for example, where the playing time has been squeezed for Matherin down to 22 a game. I think he got 13 last night. Two points in that loss. So we'll see how, if that's just something with Matherin and a coaching decision, as Rick Carlisle said last night, or, you know, if it is going to be more of a a veteran thing. I can't imagine. Can't imagine. I just thought last night it was more than a bit of an outlier. Considering that Miami team and what you thought was necessary to, to get back into it as they did, but to sustain in the fourth and a guy that really has gotten to the free throw line late in games as good as anybody on this team that sat. Bill's at 239-1070 before the break. Hello, Bill. 
GMV, how you doing today? I miss seeing you and everybody out. I know that it's been a while. I know. I'm 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 just jonesing, man. When's the, when's the next one? That's a good question. When's... I don't I don't know yet. That's a good question. It's weird. I always talked about this. So we're out basically from the end of July all the way until mid January. We're out. I'm out all the time, as you well know, because you were there most of the time with me. And then, especially with this type of cold season, we just fall off a cliff. We go from being out basically the entirety of the week to not going out whatsoever. Just the time of the season, and especially when you have a team that does not even sniff the postseason. So it's tough. Yeah, it is. It is. That's tough, a, that's man, another I, sucky part of the Colts not being any good. Is that it hurts? It hurts. It hurts everybody. It hurts the morale, of the city, and everything. And I hope it uh, does, hope they get buddy. Get by by next year. But uh, it's all Pacers now. Uh, uh, I think they should go all out, and I'd like to see them get in at least a play-in game. I, I want to have uh, the opportunity to at least hoist a beer up at the mutt and watch the Patriots play an A playoff game, whether it be a play, whether it be play-in or not. But uh, uh, I'm going to be real interested to see how they use George Hill. What do you think? Are you going to make George Hill a point guard again, or are they going to keep him at the two guard? I whatever's necessary for him here. I just, I mean, it's tough for me to really think he's going to be anything more than just a guy as a veteran that is from here being here. I don't know. I mean, how much time can you possibly want to find, and how much do you possibly? Nothing against him, but that's just directionally not what this team should really be about right now, right? Yeah, I, I, I get. I just get the feeling that he's he's going to retire here. I think I think he might uh, he might want to hang it up, and uh, if he does, I think he's going to join the Pacers coaching staff or the front office or something. But I think he's going to end up with the Pacers organization. I don't I don't know I don't know is he still around here often even in the off seasons? I, I know that part of part of the deal when you're you know the hometown guy is you, you can never get away from everybody. You know what I mean? And I, I think that I think when he was here the first time and, you know, had those good years here, I think it was just kind of constant. Either he's playing basketball or people are up all over him about stuff. But I, I don't know. It does seem like that it's a downshift for, you know, the conclusion of a career. I just I don't know if anybody should look for him to occupy a lot of minutes on this team, because if he does, it seems like that something may be going haywire. Right. Yeah, I, I, I can't see him getting a whole lot of minutes, but I'm glad that I'm glad that he's coming back. And uh, hey, man, I hope we blot out the Suns tomorrow night. All right, Bill, I appreciate that. Suns in town tomorrow. Durant's still injured, but you will get to see this: DeAndre Ayton and Miles Turner coming up tomorrow night. So at least, at the very least, my Twitter account will be hopping tomorrow. That'd be good. Hatfield says this: JMV, that is classic. I wonder if. <laughs> yeah, thank you. When Daring is on Cameo, that's outstanding. Again, Brian Evans, thank you for the Barry Williams of the Brady Bunch Cameo. That was absolutely outstanding. Jordan Nawara, George Hill, Serge Abaca. Part of a three-team deal to trade deadline coming here for the Pacers. Serge Ibaka is reportedly going to get waived. Goga Bataze waived. Terry Taylor also waived. You're updated on that. The latest on the Colts head coaching search. Looks like now you're just going to be waiting until after the Super Bowl coming up at some point next week. Is it because Shane Steichen has still got work to do for the Eagles? 
or is it a part of this diabolical cult's plan to absolutely look under everything, look into everything, monitor everything, and a complete and utter evaluation of every candidate until you find the right one? Or might it be Jeff Saturday in terms of Jim Irsay? So Mike Chappell, top of the hour. This is 93.5107.5 The Fan. Raise a spoon to Grandma, who always took all the hungry cousins to McDonald's for McNuggets and the Play Play Slide. Have something sweet in her honor. Come to McDonald's and treat yourself to the Grandma McFlurry today. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. And participate in McDonald's for a limited time. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. The Ride with JMV. You just got your asses whipped by a bunch of damn nerds. 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. Luke Bryan's going to be in August at Ruoff Home Mortgage Music Center, the first of a two pair to give away, right? Look at you guys right on top of it. Thank you, Live Nation. Thank you, Kyle. Jimmy and the gang at Live Nation. You know how much I love you guys. Love the partnership. You guys love when we give away tickets, no matter what genre we're talking about. Luke Bryan in August, again, Ruoff Home Mortgage Music Center. Number nine is going to get that winner right now at 239-1070. So it was mentioned tonight to 630. I believe you can see that on uh, Big Ten Network, too. Number five, Iowa with Caitlin Clark and number two, Indiana. Highest ranked Hoosier women's team of all time at number two. That's down at Simon Scott Assembly Hall. Again, that tips at 630 tonight. Iowa and Indiana. Uh, in fact, Jason Dawson down there taking a picture in front of Assembly Hall right now. Go get him. And 6.30 is that tip time coming up later on tonight. Janvy, I can't wait for Hill and McConnell to take all of Matherin and Nimhard's men. It seems like the coaches in the front office are losing track of what the goal is of this season. It wasn't so much about that last night. To me, as it was about if you're trying to win the game, I thought Matherin should have been in there and, and trying to win that game with him last night. Pam Brown win. Pam Brown, did you just win those Luke Bryan tickets? Yes, I did. I'll just put you on the air. Is that okay? Oh, sure. I'm driving, but sure. <laughs> well, congratulations, Pam Brown. Thank you. Tell everybody, yeah, tell everybody how big a deal it is to listen to this show because you can do really cool things. It is a great deal, and I'm I'm listening, actually driving on a real radio station, so it's not on iHeart or anything else. I listen all kinds of different ways, but this time I'm just driving along to Claremont, and I won. Pam Brown, saying that you're after my heart right there. Well done. Yay! Thank right. you. You're back on hold. James will catch up with you and. Set you up with those tickets. Got another pair to give away to Luke Bryan coming up after 5 o'clock as well. Mike Chappell's going to be in here. Pacers trade deadline activity. Jordan Nawara, George Hill, Serge Abaka. Serge Abaka waved. Goga Bataze waved. Terry Taylor waved. Anything else breaks? We'll be all about that coming up in the 5 o'clock hour. 
the rest of what has been an incredibly busy day inside the lounge via YouTube Live and the latest on the Colts head coaching search, which right now is nothing going on. Mike Chappell is going to join us next. The Ride with JMV. We have the Holy Hand Grenade. Yes, of course. The Holy Hand Grenade of Antioch. Right. One, two, five. Three, sir. Three. 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. James over there. I'm John. Thank you for joining us. Trade deadline in the NBA. Jordan Noara. Six points per game. 39% from distance in Milwaukee. George Hill, Serge Ibaka, Ibaka waved. Goga Bataze waved. Terry Taylor waved by the Pacers earlier today. We'll see if anything else happens as far as that three-team deal to satisfy it by league rules is concerned. That's between the Nets, the Bucks, and the Pacers. And the Pacers get involved in it because the Bucks ultimately wanted Jay Crowder. That's why all that went down today. Clearly, the Pacers taking a flyer on a guy where, you know, if he works, that's great. If he doesn't, I guess you look further down the road. But I guess we haven't really talked about the overall incredible bust that Goga Bataze was, which is unfortunate. A lot of people were wondering about Terry Taylor. Yeah, didn't get much of an opportunity. Uh, Jordan Nawara, George Hill, those guys, especially Jordan Nawara, should be getting some minutes of a look-see. I don't know how much George Hill is going to end up getting, and Serge Ibaka, not even going to get here. Back to your calls and more in just a second on the Andy Moore Automotive Group Hotline. Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers brought us in with the waiting is the hardest part. Seemingly, that's what's going on around here. I kind of laughed about this early in the week because I know you and I talked about it last week. Nobody likes in the NFL any news breaking outside of this Super Bowl stuff that they're doing. I believe tonight is the NFL Honors Night, too. Tonight is the night we're going to find out if Reggie Wayne or Dwight Freeney end up going into the Pro Football Hall of Fame. But, I mean, really, if something did pop, if somebody did leak something right now, how much of a ripple would it have around the NFL to disrupt what's going on? Not much. I, I agree. And the, the, it would be a, a, a more than a blip on the national scene because it is a head coaching spot. It, but it would be a big deal here or Arizona. Well, Arizona, that's a little bit different there with the Super Bowl there. Right. But here, it would, it, would, it would hit nationally, and then it would be a big deal here. And so what? I mean, no one hears all that invested in the Super Bowl. So it wouldn't, to me, make a big difference, a big deal. See, I, I could see if now you, uh, the closer the game gets, maybe not. But if they if they knew who they wanted, it was a guy they could hire now, Callahan or uh, uh, Raheem Morris or, or whoever, they could certainly announce a deal. Not, not they agreed. We've been through that thing before, but they, that they've hired this guy, and there'll, there'll be a press conference next Wednesday, Thursday, Tuesday, whatever. And and then again, it's a big deal nationally for two seconds, and then it's a big deal here for a while. So you're right about that. But so, so I, I don't know why they couldn't do that. Now, the reason they, one of the reasons they couldn't do that is the guy they want or the guy they've decided on is participating in the Super Bowl. And you can't hire that guy until after the Super Bowl. So 
you know, at, at some point you try to connect the dots, and that's that's one of the reasons you don't or can't announce it now. That's just one of them. So Mike Chappell of CBS 4 and Fox 59 is with us. So is that your theory, that the reason why they're waiting is for Shane Steichen here? I mean, I guess. I mean, but but I, I'm not even remotely predicting that because I've got nothing to base on it other than common sense and connecting the dots. And then it's been reported that I think Zach Kiefer and somebody else reported that four of these candidates have have, have agreed or would like to bring Gus Bradley back. Well, Gus Bradley and Sykin's got a history from the Chargers, so that would make sense there. But again, maybe they're just waiting until. Monday or Tuesday, and they're going to hire Brian Callahan. So, uh, and again, as, as much as we want it over, there's there's really no overriding hurry other than you leaving these assistant coaches twisting in the wind because they don't know what they're doing. Are they still going to be here? Will the new guy bring in a whole new staff? That includes the defense. So that I guess that's the overriding reason to get it done is. So, so these assistant coaches can know what the heck they're doing, but organizationally, there's they're not missing anything by waiting another ten days instead of doing it last week, waiting another ten days. They're not going to be behind when the season gets going, the off season gets going. So, we just want it over because we want it over. I just got to know. I don't even know if it's timing. I just, you kind of just want to know. Yeah, you know, you've been sitting around here every day. We got to end up talking about it from. You know what? We're trying to talk about it from nineteen different angles about the same thing. I'm not guaranteeing, but I'm pretty sure that by this time next week we'll have somebody to talk about. Yeah, about that. yeah. I bet you're right. It's it's interesting because I had Zach on with me on Monday, and I remarked about how it. Um, to me, the most interesting part is that unlike last time, there has been zero leakage. I mean, nothing's Correct. coming out. And well, but I, the, leak, the leakage the prior has come nationally from agents who said, you know, my guy's talking. Or Now, the first round, the Colts announced that they finished talking to guys. Second round, it came nationally, not locally, to where the Colts never did, to my knowledge, they never did confirm that they talked to, what was it, seven or eight guys in the second round. That came from agents leaking things nationally. And then this week, there's, I mean, there's nothing. So it, it tells me that the Colts have, time, have told none of these guys they're the guy or they're not the guy. Because if you tell a guy he's not the guy, that normally gets out. That, that you know, well, they, they, they told my guy that he's not getting, it, not getting the job. And I can't see the Colts telling, you know, Aaron Glenn, uh, you didn't get the job, but hey, don't tell anybody until we announce it. He'd tell them to pound sand. So uh, th- they've just done a really good job of keeping this locally, and it, it appears they've told nobody, uh, at least I've not seen it, w- w- with clear sourcing that he did not get the job and we're moving on to somebody else. They've done a real good job all through this process of, of controlling the narrative from their end. I think I mentioned this to you, and it's the same thing I mentioned to Zach on Monday, and it, it kind of got twisted up a little bit. I think Pat Pat McAfee mentioned it to Ian Rappaport, and I, Ian Rappaport and, and Phoenix shot it down yesterday. It was all kind of funny, but you know, I'm not reporting it. I didn't report it. I just had mentioned to Zach on Monday, and this may be something I mentioned to you last week, that the only rumor that I had heard, and it was just nothing but a rumor, was that, that Jeff Saturday already knew that he wasn't going to be it. 
And I, like I said, it was just a, a rumor, but you always, you always think about Jeff in terms of the ultimate trump card here is Jim Ursay because Jim's going to do what Jim wants to do. And if that's Jeff, it's going to be Jeff. Hard for people to believe, and they're probably voting against that as we have seen right now. But certainly that's why I even look at that rumor as wondering about it, considering the circumstances, because you always remember that Jim Ursay is going to have that final and overriding vote. I've said all along, I don't think Jeff would get it. I just, and I still don't. I think that Chris Ballard has done enough of this extensive search and talking to these guys who so many of them have deep resumes. A couple of them have former head coaching positions or at least an interim job with a couple of them. I just think that he's really given the owner a lot of really, really good options. And it just sort of exemplifies Jeff's lack of experience because he's not done this before. I mean, again, it, it, it comes off as people are, as we're dumping on Jeff Saturday and we're not, it's just that you're measuring his, his resume as a coach against guys who've done it for a long time at different levels, you know, assistant coach, coordinator, a couple of head coaches. So that, that, that that's the problem. But, but I think that that's what Chris Ballard's done a good job of is saying, you know, Jimmy, I know you really like Jeff and, you know, maybe he, if he got a start, a chance to start from February on could be different. But these guys, look at these guys. And I think that's what he's done a good job of. And, you know, so it's, it's Jeff was behind the eight ball from the day he took the interim job. He just was. You know, there, there was little chance that, that that would go well. It could have gone better if they had won, if they had finished a couple of games for crying out loud. Then, then maybe the owner could say, no, look. You know, he wasn't one and seven. He was, you know, three and five or whatever. If that would have made a difference, you hold on to leads against Philly and Pittsburgh and, you know, Minnesota for crying out loud. But that, that, this is where we are. I think they've done a really good job of field thorough search. And there, there's several really interesting uh, candidates. And I think they'll land on a guy that they really think can, can be the guy for the next. I don't know what four, six, eight years, but they thought that was Frank too. But they, they need to get this right, and then they really need, need to get the quarterback right in April. Yeah, Mike, I brought this up earlier this week too. That I, again, they beat Philly here, which they easily could have done, yeah. very easily in Dallas on that Sunday night in Minneapolis, where he had the greatest comeback of all time. I think it is a different story. I I think that, yeah, I think that you win one, if you win two of those games, I I think that logically Jeff Saturday is still going to be the head coach. No, the Houston game. I mean, you know. Exactly. Yeah. So, so, yeah. There's any evidence whatsoever beyond what we know to be true right now. Right. And again, it would have given both of them a a better narrative to, to say, and this is why we're doing this. But the way things went, and just, you know, the, the stat that just bears repeating is the first seven-game losing streak to end the season since 1953. I mean, that's pretty historical stuff. So it would have been really, really difficult to go that direction. But if they had handled the last two months of the season better and not just folded in several games, which tells you something about the makeup of the roster, 
that they couldn't finish games. But at, at least it would have given them some evidence to say, no, see this, yeah, that hiring him as the interim coach was kind of off, off the outside the box and all this, but he, he showed what he can do as a leader in bringing this team back. But that didn't happen, so it would be it would have been very very difficult. It will be very very difficult for them to name Jeff Saturday head coach just because of all that. Yeah, and here's one further thing. I don't think I've ever asked you this. Do you think had this been all new and Jeff Saturday would have been that brainchild of Jim Ursay right now, and there's a a clean slate, nothing had happened, he didn't take over, none of those losses are on him. Would that have been? easier to convince Chris Ballard, who I'm assuming still would be here, helping make that decision or would it still be the same type of response that Chris has had all along? You mean if... Yeah, if Jim just said, hey, you know what, all these candidates be damned, I like Jeff Saturday, what do you think? You think Chris Ballard's thought process would have been different without Again, without the interim interim experience? Uh, No, because it's you're you're really you're just taking a flyer on building your franchise and totally rebooting with again one of the great guys that that's been here, a great leader and all that stuff, with zero head coaching experience at the college or pro level. I, I think either one, you know, we all sort of were shocked when they did it as an interim basis. Boy, to have done it at. at Throw him in there with this group with with without that, it, it wouldn't. No, it would have been hard to hard hard to stomach, and I, I don't think it would have impacted Chris's thought process one way or the other. He would have been against it, I think, because again, you've got all these guys, quality candidates, and to say no, we're we're going to go so far outside the box and, and let this guy who's never done it start in February and build the franchise, that would have been such such a leap of faith. I don't I just don't know that that would have worked at all and it would have certainly wouldn't have worked from a PR standpoint if that if that would have played into the uh, decision at all. Yeah, just kind of a thought right there. But you know you think about a yeah. lot of things because here's one of the reasons why we have a lot of time to contemplate. So we think about these these different areas and things had you know a game or two gone differently or you know if it was Bubba Ventrone or somebody else that had taken over instead of Jim forcing his way with Jeff Saturday coming in how differently this thing may look right now. Well, and, and if if they had finished better and somehow worked their way into the playoffs with you know winning the division and really not having much of a chance in the playoffs, it might have looked all right. But it just it wouldn't have set this team up moving forward at all. You'd had a much worse draft pick, and maybe you would have thought you were you were better than in better shape than what you what you really were. So it, it really worked out as hard as it was on this franchise over the last two months. It really worked out for the best. It just did. We've talked about how this league does not reward, you know. Eight, eight, and one. It just doesn't. It rewards four, twelve, and one. It rewards two and fourteen, and three and thirteen. So, and and timing is everything. Well, you're you're four, twelve, and one, and, and it just so happens there's three or four quarterbacks that might be that good. You don't know, but might be that good. So things had to fall together, and they have. 
And again, we've talked about that they need to they need to get the right guy at coach, and then they need to get the right guy at quarterback to give them a chance. And if they, if they can get that, look what happened in in, in Jacksonville. I realize Trevor Lawrence is is much much better than any of these these possible quarterbacks they bring in. But they get that quarterback, and then and, and then they get the coach. You know, they get Doug Peterson to kind of run things down there. And they're going to be tough to deal with. And that's what you have to have here. You've got to get the coach, and then you've got to get that quarterback and then surround him with a better offensive line and better skill people. Not the running back. I mean, JT's as good as it gets. But they need to add another receiver and a tight end. And and then maybe they got a chance. Because I, I like the defense if they can bring it back sort of intact, which they'll lose a player or two. But – you got to get those these two these two decisions right, and then this team won't be quite that far away. Hall of Fame nod opportunities for Reggie Wayne for Dwight Freeney tonight. What do you think? Well, I know, <laughs> I, I, I know what what the decision is, and I'm trying to read. Did, I'm trying to read your response well, to we, that. We, we've done this before. I know we have. Yeah. I know I'm a complete yeah. jerk for. I, 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 no, 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 see, no. I, I thought to myself, right, right I said, now, how am right I going to – I wanted to word this where it ca- it kind of came out of nowhere. I know that's well, jerky you, of me. My bad. You, know, you, try, you tried to slip me up, huh? <laughs> so, again, I'll do like I did before. Uh, I'll, I'll, blink, I'll blink twice if they, if they got in. So, right now, I'm telling you, it's either two blinks or one blink. So okay. See, see, I just blew my confidentiality agreement with the, with the Hall of Fame. So, I, I just did tell you who got in, and gotcha. if you couldn't read my eyes. That's on you, bud. <laughs> I know it's on me. Um, ten o'clock, ten o'clock tonight, and you know we'll see. Uh, credentials wise, what do you think? What do you think ultimately? I mean, just far down the road. You and I are talking in twenty years, and I laugh about that a little bit. But do you, yep. they either one get in, both get in at some point. At some point, they both get in. Yeah. And then Vinatieri gets in in a couple of years. And then that's probably it for a while, for, for quite a while. I think we will have uh, – Robert Mathis has a chance. Uh, I think nationally, he's not seen as quite that level, although he is. He, he belongs to be at that level he is. I mean, we, we saw it throughout his career. But, uh, well, I tell you – it just it just reinforces what we knew all along that that team in the two thousands was something special. And it's funny I've heard people say, "Well, you know, they only won one Super Bowl." Oh, really? I mean, but they they went twice. Should have won twice. They Hank Basket covered the second you know, side kick, and they probably win that one. But it's hard to win a Super Bowl. How many's Aaron Rodgers got one? Yeah. So it's just hard to get there. But uh, that was a great team, a great collection of players, and. Their Hall of Fame, you know, support reinforces that. Yeah, at, at some point, both Reggie and, and Dwight get in because nationally they're viewed as that level of player. It just depends on whether it's today or a year or two. That's one of the things that, that bums me out regarding Jeff Saturday here because I, I feel I can separate what took place in the past four months. I can separate that with what he – was of high value for the golden era, for that era sure. that you're talking about right there. For an era, Mike, and you were on the ground floor when they first got here, and certainly I was paying attention being around here too, uh, much younger, but paying attention. Nobody ever thought 
they would do anything like that. Nobody ever thought they would yeah. have a team like that. And I hate because it feels like the the name of Jeff Saturday has been besmirched by a lot of Colts fans around here by virtue of that Jim Mersey hire. And I hope that that feeling goes away. But I think that is an obvious feeling that you get considering how most don't want even him as a consideration to move forward as the coach. I think that's hurt his name as a player here, at least right now. And, and that's unfortunate. And that's the world we live in, which is too bad, because they, they put three or four guys in a position to fail this year. They just did. And, and Jeff was one of them. There was little chance, little chance that that was going to turn out well. But why everyone, not everyone, why so many people saw the need to drag him through the mud? I, you, you, we can we can agree that that he shouldn't be the head coach for whatever reason, for whatever reason you want to come up with. But but to go to the level that so many people did, I don't. I think that's that's the the bad underbelly of, of social media now, and it's easy to to do that. And like I say, I, I I can sit here and say I don't think he he should be head coach because he doesn't have because he's not as good a candidate as Steinchen or Callahan or or Morris or, or whomever. That doesn't mean I have to you know break into Lucas Oil and chisel his name off Ring of Honor. I just, I just wish it didn't get to the point where you love the guy, you hate the guy. It's it's kind of like the with, with LeBron now. It, it, who's the greatest of all time? Either he or Michael Jordan. And it's like if it's if you don't if you want one guy, then you think the other guy isn't any good. Both both things can be, both guys can be you know great. And Jeff Saturday can he he was a great player here. He was a great ambassador for this team after he left. There was no need to stoop to the levels that people did to, to trash him. And I, I, I wish that wasn't the case. And I hope I tell you the, the person that's going to remember this is Jeff Saturday. Yeah. I mean, he's going to remember that whoever it was, even those of us who, who weren't in favor of this for whatever yeah. reasons, he, yeah. he, he won't be quite as chummy with, which I understand. Why, why would you be? Well, I'm sure my next conversation with Chris Ballard is going to go over smashingly. <laughs> if there is one. <laughs> Yeah, well, that's I know, I know. So, so yeah, it, that's the world we live in, and I, you know, with Jeff, I just wish it didn't have to be that way. But that's the way it is, and that's the way it was. And listen, I I, I tell people this all the time because I also host the Colts pregame show, and I respect that like I want them to respect this. You know me, and we've known each other for a long time. I don't have an axe to grind. I don't get personal. I don't do buttholeish things. Right. I just come up with an opinion of what's going on, and and that's that. There's absolutely nothing personal going on. And outside of you know just my presentation in general, I am as professional about this, and understandably so as as possible. And you know you get, I, I get it. It's like my. I bring this up all the time. Mike Dwayne Allen and I hung out all the time, played basketball together, hung out. He would just show up here and uh, come in studio, start talking. Awesome. Hung out all the time. And then after we go to London, I come back and he had a bad game. And I talked about that bad game. And that's the last time that we talked. 
That's just the right. way that it is. And I don't, well, I don't, I do understand that. I do because I, if I'm in their position, I would think, you know, what's that old guy doing saying about this? What does he know? I do get it. And that's just unfortunately some of the pitfalls of of what we do. It's enjoyable, but those are some of the more unenjoyable moments, if you will. Well, that's the, the, the fine line that we have to that we always walk with these players is we're not their friends. We're just not, and there has to be that separation. Now, there's I tell you, there's half a dozen or ten guys that if, that if I passed them in a mall, we would stop and talk. You know, I I I, I consider Peyton Manning, I, I guess, a friend. You know, a, a few of these guys, but but at the same time, you can't get that close because there's going to be a time when you're going to be critical, whether it's Peyton or Edgerun or Reggie. That's why I think if you're if if you can be fair and have you report and talk about them good or bad, if you're fair, and well, Reggie had this bad game because of this, and I think players once they get past being PO'd that you're critical, they say, yeah, I didn't that didn't have a very good game. They just don't like to see it in print or whatever. But but I think by and large with coaches and GMs and players, as long as you're fair. And it doesn't stoop to being personal or piling on. By and large, I think you're okay with that. And I've had players that I've written critical about, and they'll stop me in the locker room and say, you know, I saw what you said. I don't agree, and this is why. And they sort of tell you that, you know, I didn't – maybe I criticized Costanzo for missing some blocks on sacks. And he would explain, well, we were supposed to do this. That really wasn't my guy. And then you're fine. But by and large, just be fair and respectful. And if you had to be critical, be critical. But you just can't get real close to these guys because there is going to be a time. Yes, there's no doubt. When you've got yeah. to be critical. It's, it's just the way it is. Yeah, I mean, McAfee's the only one I think that uh, – I guess Marlon Jackson. Marlon Jackson worked out. I mean, Marlon and I, I still talk to him. You know, he was in here yesterday. Uh, doing the midday show and another another one of the great Colts. I yeah. mean, just a great guy. Yeah, it's but it's it is it is few and far. Joe writes. Joe writes is you know another one. I don't know if Joe's ever been mad about much though, so that may be a little <laughs> bit different. Uh, and obviously, no, going back to Bill Brooks, guys. I never had to say to talk anything bad about Bill Brooks. So yeah, it, it's yeah. few and far between though, as you bring up accurately. When, when I run into guys, either. Like a couple of years ago with, with Peyton and Edgerin's Hall of Fame thing, or sometimes they'll bring alumni guys back to training camp and you run into them. And, and, and unless they're just lying at their teeth, they're, they're, they're glad to see you. And what I always say to them is, you know, it, it's good to run into these guys because generally, no matter how long the guy's been with the team, you have a relationship with them and then they're gone and you never see them again. So you never have a chance to say, hey, it was good work. Antoine Bethea, hey, I've run into him three or four times after he left the cult. He was great to talk with. Gerard Powers, people like that. So uh, by and large, these guys understand you have a job to do. And as long as you're fair with them, if that's the right word, fair, and you don't have an axe to grind and you're not trying to prove your point you know, by being too critical of them, that they really understand and they're okay with it. It's just there are times that people go over the top for whatever reason. You know, one game, Frank Reich's a, you know, Frank Reich's a perfect example. I mean, pe- people wanted to run him out of town at the end. 
and one day he's a he's a great play caller. The next day he's a, he's an awful play caller. Well, how about giving giving him a quarterback that he can work with, an offensive line that's decent? You know, the last couple of years. So, just be fair and be honest. And by and large, whether it's Chris Ballard or Ursay or a player, generally they're okay with that. Mike Chapel of CBS Four and Fox Fifty Nine, Reggie and Dwight. I'm blinking again. Can you see it? I'm blinking again. <laughs> Two blinks is yes, one blinks no. He is sworn to secrecy, everybody. Sworn to secrecy. We've tried this before. Really hard. So all okay, right. I've got I've got my story ready to go. And I'll be posted right around ten o'clock. And you know, if I if I could trust you. I'd send you my story. Oh, I can be trusted. Trust Come you. on now. You know there's nobody listening to this you. thing right now. Come on. I don't trust you. I don't trust you. All right, buddy. I, I appreciate you. Next week, we're talking about a new head coach. I bet yes, you. Yes, sir, we are. Yes, sir, we are. I don't, I'm positive. Right. 98% positive. Mike, appreciate it. Thanks. Next week. Mike Chappell, CBS 4 and Fox 59. So what, Reggie get in and Dwight didn't? How'd you gather? Anything at all? Get any intel on that conversation? Any feel? What do they say now? Vibe? Did you get a good vibe out of it? Vibe? I just saw this from our producer and friend, Eddie Garrison. So Carmel has decided to cancel their sporting contracts with Center Grove in all sports per a press release. I'm not privy to that press release. I just actually sent a text to Greg Rakestraw. He's just now digging in. This is something I'll hit with Bob Lovell coming up on tomorrow's show. But as Eddie accurately mentions, that is a big high school sports news local story here in Indy right there. So who in the world is Center Grove going to play? <laughs> who are they going to play? I don't know. You got to go down and play Eastern. So that's what Eddie tweeted. I just retweeted that as well. So we'll see what the story is behind the story. And if we don't get any news on that, if you have the um, press release, I haven't seen the press release. If anybody has that, if you wouldn't mind, maybe tweet it to me or email it to me. I'm just kind of curious because I have not seen it. But that's what uh, Eddie says. Has desired to cancel their sporting contracts with Center Grove in all sports, according to a press release. All right. Trade deadline, Jordan Noir, George Hill, Serge Ibaka. Three-way deal between the Pacers, Nets, and the Bucks. all because Jay Crowder, that is the hard target of the, the Bucks that they got a little bit earlier today. Now, Serge Ibaka has been waived. Goga Bataze waived. Terry Taylor waived as well. Evan Sidery, great basketball news a little bit earlier. That podcast, 1075thefan.com. We talked about that with Evan Mike Chapel just now regarding tonight's Hall of Fame announcement and the NFL honors taking place out in Phoenix, Arizona. Of course, the Super Bowl coming up on Sunday. Talked about that as well. And Rob Blackman of the Boilermaker Radio Network, The Voice. You got Purdue and Iowa from Mackey Arena coming up later on tonight as well. IU and Iowa from Bloomington just uh, getting ready to start the next hour or so, I believe, down at Simon Scott Assembly Hall. That's 2v5 in the Big Ten women's matchup. Quick break. Luke Bryan tickets before 6. We'll recap the day, talk a little bit more about what was a wacky Trade deadline of the NBA and more. 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan.
raise a spoon to Grandma, who always took all the hungry cousins to McDonald's for McNuggets and the Play Play Slide. Have something sweet in her honor. Come to McDonald's and treat yourself to the Grandma McFlurry today. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. And participate in McDonald's for a limited time. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. The Ride with JMV. And the beat goes on, yeah. And the beat goes on. 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. Now, Mike Chappell. Rob Blackman and Evan Sidery on a busy day with the NBA trade deadline. Jordan Nawara. George Hill is back. And Serge Ibaka will never get here. All three are part of a three-way trade situation between the Nets, the Bucks, and the Pacers. And the whole motivation of that was for the Bucks to get Jay Crowder. But... In terms of getting something that you're looking at for the longer-term future, I'm not sure that Jordan Nawara is going to be that. But he was available to take a flyer, six foot eight, 24-year-old, six points a game, 39% from distance. And as we had talked about earlier this week, as we approach the NBA trade deadline, you know, trying to build and taking a shot at somebody like that makes sense. I'm not suggesting at all it's going to work out. I'm not suggesting at all you should make a big deal out of it. But that part of it makes sense. George Hill coming in here, presumably to close out his NBA career. I'm not sure. But George Hill is back, the former Broad Ripple, the former IUPUI standout. And I mentioned Serge Ibaka was a part of this as well. Serge Ibaka is never going to get here. He is going to be waived. And in the process, Abaka's waived. Goga Bataze goes down as one of the largest Pacers busts of all time. Right there with the legendary career of TJ Leaf. So Goga Bataze waived. And Terry Taylor also waived to satisfy the nuts and the bolts the protocol of that NBA deal. And again, Jordan Noir with the Bucks, he was extended actually as a 24-year-old. And they liked what he offered, but you know, obviously there they're doing something and playing for something where they're going for it once again right now and they felt he was certainly expendable and the Pacers are going to take a swing and see if he can offer anything. And for that, we shall see. We'll have more on that coming up on tomorrow's show. I think Alex Golden of Setting the Pace is going to join us as well. You know, I'd ask about this. Our Eddie Garrison had sent something out uh, regarding a, a, a tweet about Carmel wanting to sever ties sporting-wise um, with Center Grove. And I'd ask if somebody would send me the press release. I haven't seen the Carmel press release, but I did. I did get a a note from from Center Grove and their principal Jeffrey Henderson. 
And here is the two-paragraph for you to give you a little bit of context. Now, we'll find out more tomorrow with Bob Lovell. And Bob Lovell at 3.30, as he normally does every Friday, joins us on the show. And this is a big deal because you know, two of certainly the largest and most successful sporting-wise schools in the state of Indiana – and one's wanting to sever ties sporting-wise with the other. And you know the situations with, you know, getting out of, you know, the uh, the the conference action, you know, this past year also was something we followed. But here's the gist of what was sent out to CG families. We want to share with you information that may impact our future athletic schedule. On Tuesday, our AD was informed by the athletic director at Carmel that Carmel desires to cancel their contracts with Center Grove High School and all sports. This sudden request came as a shock given the collaboration we've enjoyed over the last 25 years. We've reached out to Carmel to request a meeting to address any concerns that may have regarding the future of our relationship. Throughout the last year, we have been and continue to be guided by our goal to do what is best for our CGHS students. We want to provide our students with an athletic experience that includes rigorous competition and the supports necessary to help them excel in their sports and grow into responsible young adults. We appreciate the support and patience, our administration and team and coaches, and continue to work for what is best from our students. That was on Tuesday from Jeffrey Henderson, the principal down at CG. But again, a little bit more on that we'll have, I'm sure, with Bob Lovell coming up tomorrow regarding that. And again, big locally, just a big high school storyline in general in the state of Indiana. Robert is at 239-1070 up next today. Hello, Robert. How are you? Good. How are you? Great, Robert. Go ahead. Okay, so I've got a couple of theories on these Pacer trades. Yes. Um, first one on George Hill. I think that uh, when Tal- when Halliburton was out, um, we could have used a guy like him then, and I think they don't want to get caught with their pants down again, so to speak, because um, that takes uh, McConnell, and you know he just he can't handle being a starter and uh i don't think they like nimhart necessarily as backup point guard um and then on Nora, i think he gives you a lot of what buddy Heald gives you but also a bigger body and probably a better defender and uh maybe an insurance policy in case we get rid of him or uh lose him in the future i i don't think now maybe i'll be proven wrong because maybe Rick wants to play some more veterans. I don't think George Hill has got much got much here as far as impact minutes-wise. Maybe I'll be wrong, but Nawara is, as you mentioned, Robert, Nawara is just something, and that's what we talked about earlier this week prior to the trade deadline. If you see something that you like, something that really fits, makes sense, and you think may fit the mold of what you're moving forward with, he's 24 years old, he's six foot eight. He's a guy that evidently, 39% from distance, can shoot a little bit. So uh, there's nothing wrong with that whatsoever. Now, we're going to have to address at some point and get better on making sure Benedict Matherin gets minutes, unlike he did last night in that loss to the Heat. But, yeah, I don't mind them doing that with Noara whatsoever. That that could be interesting. I don't know if it's going to play a significant role, but it could very well be interesting. We'll see. Yeah, I think um, Neesmith um – 
has worked out pretty well, and I think Nora they think might be something similar. Like yeah, that. I, yeah, that's a, that is a a good comparison, Robert. Thank you very much, James. Before the break at two three nine ten seventy. Hello, James. Hey, what's going on, JMV? How what's you doing, happening, buddy? James? What do you got? I just want to make one quick comment on the uh, Pacers last night. I'm yes. okay with whatever they're going to do in the future, but as far as last night goes. They can't miss wide-open three-pointers, miss layups, and then turn around and miss eight free throws. Yes. Lose the game by four. Correct. Correct. So, Matherin needed more minutes, but there were lots of opportunities to bring that closer. And if the free throws go in, hey, we win that game, or at least take it to OT. I just – I love what he has brought when he has been there in the fourth. He normally gets himself to the free throw line. And as you mentioned, they missed way too many free throws last night. I absolutely understand that. But he is a guy that can get there and just 13 minutes and not getting those those moments down the stretch in that game in the fourth – was a little bit not just mysterious but inexplicable i think regarding a rookie that has played very well so far and especially with his minutes on the decline if you look in the last four the prior five 38 and a half minutes per game and then halliburton comes back and his time now is on an average of 28 minutes per game so kind of wonder what's happening there a little bit yeah, I completely agree. I'd almost go as far to say maybe he is in somewhat of a doghouse with Carlisle, or at least he's just made some rookie mistakes, so Carlisle's kind of pulled the leash back a little bit. Could be very well the case. James, thank you for the call. I appreciate that. Quick one, we'll come back. Luke Bryan, tickets on the way, and more. 93.5107.5 The Fan. Don't go away. Raise a spoon to Grandma, who always took all the hungry cousins to McDonald's for McNuggets and the Play Play Slide. Have something sweet in her honor. Come to McDonald's and treat yourself to the Grandma McFlurry today. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. And participate in McDonald's for a limited time. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. The Ride with JMV. Well, wait just a minute. Did anybody f- knock anymore? 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. Is that country right here? This is country? Well, I guess now Apparently. it is with that, yeah. right? That didn't really sound like country when it first broke in. That's Luke Bryan, everybody, right there. That is country. Did I play this yesterday? I think I remember that catfish dinner line yesterday. I think so, yeah. But I mean, I'm not the best person to ask because I think all country now. sounds the same to me. So I would, I yeah, I might go. I think I did play this uh, catfish dinner song yesterday, August 18th, by the way. Ruoff Home Mortgage Music Center. Luke Bryan, number nine is going to get a pair. I'll have more on that the Carmel CG thing coming up tomorrow with Bob Lovell, but evidently it was something either during or after their game, and it was um, pretty serious, evidently. So we'll have more on that with Bob Lovell, who joins us. We talk high school sports every single Friday at 3.30. We'll do that coming up for you. Yes, uh, student... uh, Student and adult, student and coach is something like that. Mm. A lot going on there. Not about that. 
Uh, Bob Lovell can answer that coming up tomorrow. I actually reached out to a couple of folks, and I know that they're just now getting a lot of this information, and I don't want to put them on the spot where they don't get everything completely accurate. I wouldn't do that to you either. So that is where we are with that story, and we'll have more on that CG Carmel storyline coming up tomorrow at 3.30 when uh, Bob Lovell joins us coming up on tomorrow's show. The trade deadline come and gone. Jordan Awara, we were talking about him maybe a little bit more tomorrow. Six points a game, and I know it's nothing earth-shattering, nothing to get all bent out of shape. Oh, wow. Uh, but it is what we had talked about early in the week, and it is if you find something there that you feel could be useful and mold into what you're doing for the future, that makes plenty of sense right there. Plenty of sense. Six points a game, 39% from three. Minutes squeezed. He just got extended. So you can take a longer look. And with this group at six foot eight, you know, something they they need, you know, a length like that. I don't know if he can guard anybody. But I can understand why they would take a flyer on that. George Hill, Serge Ibaka. Also, this was a part of a three-way deal between the Bucks, the Pacers, and the Nets. And the reason why the motivation behind it, the reason why it happened was because the Bucks wanted Jay Crowder. They got him, and in the process, the Pacers get Nawara. George Hill comes back. And it was also Serge Ibaka. Serge Ibaka was waived. Goga Bataze waived. And uh, Terry Taylor waived by the Pacers, too. Hey, Brian, this is exactly what I've heard. So, Jan V, you should go to Luke Bryan. 70% of the crowd will be smoke. Probably right. Is this Mike, the winner here? Yes, sir. Hey, Mike, did you win these Luke Bryan tickets? I did. It's awesome. Thank you. Are you a Luke Bryan fan? And my wife is, so she's going to be very happy. All right. So you may, you got, you're married, so you may not fall into the category of going because apparently, according to Twitter follower Brian, it is going to be a 70% crowd smoke show. So that's not the reason why you're going, right? I'm going to be good. (laughs) Mike, congratulations. I'm going to put you back on hold, and James will set you up. Got more Luke Bryan tickets coming at you tomorrow, too. Putting dudes on the spotlight, that is awesome. Hey, we'll find out more tonight. NFL honors. If you listen to Mike Chappell, I did. I tried to put him on the spot about whether or not it's Reggie Wayne or Dwight Freeney making the Pro Football Hall of Fame. He didn't say anything. I don't know. Was there a bit of a Reggie lean right there? Some of you, by virtue of translation of what Mike was talking about, I don't know, feeling the waves. As they say, the vibes, suggesting that maybe Reggie gets the nod. Here's what it sounded like to me. It sounded like that neither got a nod. That's what it sounded like to me. And then information later on tonight, he'll have a story on CBS4, Fox 59, their websites regarding what takes place. Hopefully they make it in, both. I don't know. I just, I interpreted that as neither. Anybody else? More on Jordan Noir tomorrow. 
More on the Pacers moving forward and Phoenix in town. Remember Phoenix making that blockbuster overnight involving Kevin Durant. Kevin Durant is injured, but you will tomorrow get to see Miles Turner and DeAndre Ayton. Remember the offer sheet last summer for Ayton here at Indy. Yeah, that's tomorrow. Phoenix in town. Shout out to Evan Sidery Basketball News. Rob Blackman, Boilermaker Radio Network, Iowa Purdue coming up here in just a bit as well. Mike Chappell, CBS 4 and Fox 59. Great job from you, James, inside the lounge via YouTube Live. Listeners will close strong on a Friday tomorrow at 3. Don't miss it. Raise a spoon to Grandma, who always took all the hungry cousins to McDonald's for McNuggets and the Play Play Slide. Have something sweet in her honor. Come to McDonald's and treat yourself to the Grandma McFlurry today. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. And participate in McDonald's for a limited time.